0: Well, hello there. Welcome to the AFA podcast.
1: The official podcast for animationforadults.com. I'm Chris. And I'm Rachel. And we'll be your host for today's show. This, our 100th episode. Oh, ding, 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 <laughs> um, All right. Now that that cheesiness is out of the way, um, we want to go around the room and introduce the rest of our commentators for this episode. We have joining us a good old, a good friend of the podcast. That is Dan.
2: Hi, hey, nice friend of the podcast. <laughs> hey,
1: you've been, us, you've been with us since the beginning.
2: I, I bloody have. Yes, <laughs> been, it's been great.
1: It's all, and awesome. glad to have you again for today's episode. And, uh, the very lovely anime, um, Annie interviewer, Nina. Hey, hey, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. All right, and Last but certainly not least, we have a brand new voice to the podcast today. She has worked with us uh, for Animation for a little while. You might see her artwork on the website. This is Allie. Hey, Allie. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Good to have you here. Do um, you, know, you want to go over and introduce yourself to the, our
3: listeners to kind of give them an idea of who you are? I would love to. Hello, everybody. My name is Allie Harris. You can call me Allie Cat. I have produced a lot of artwork on animation for adults. I have been with these guys since 2016. I write articles. I give you news about movie trailers, and I have a lot of fun sharing stories with you. I'm a graphic designer, character designer, and illustrator. You can see more of my work at DeviantArt at username ForeverMonet. That's at ForeverMonet. And I. I'm looking forward to making more artwork for these guys. They're totally awesome and I am so excited to be here for the 100th podcast. We're reviewing a movie that I absolutely love. It's crazy, it's fun and I am super excited to get started, guys. All right. That's that's I love that enthusiasm. It's
4: fantastic.
1: <laughs> <you>. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. And you might be wondering just what it is? I believe we already announced this, but you if you're already here, you probably know what this is because you probably voted for it because we had a Vote a while back on Twitter a bunch of different animated films for our 100th episode to see what we would cover. We'd cover something special, and uh, you all have spoken. and That film is the, the 90- boss
0: baby. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> no, is no, <laughs> I'm oh, yeah.
5: I want me. to visit that reality where it's you the know, we'll get the memo. No,
4: Chris, I would, oh no,
2: I don't not that, oh, no. I, I not that kind price. of baby.
4: Mm-hmm. Not that uh, kind of baby.
1: Uh, <laughs> 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 I'm sorry I had to say that. But yes, anyway, I'm sorry, Dan.
2: No, we're not. We're, we're talking wrinkly babies.
4: <laughs> <laughs> fucking
1: burn Whoa, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, yes, uh, because we want to be able to talk at full length about this movie, Um, I just want to make sure if any of you are tuning in for the first time, which at first, welcome, Um, and we're really glad you wanted to join us if we want to check out some of our other episodes feel free to do that we might not want to recommend if you haven't seen the film akira to tune into this particular one because we are going to be going to deep into spoiler territory at least we're going to be take we're going to be lifting the spoiler restrictions because of the fact that we want to have a full in-depth discussion about the origin of this movie you know how we all came across it our opinions on it and then basically what is it about this film that you know is obviously stuck with a lot of people you know for Oh, i think it's 30 years now it's been akira has been around i mean i'm trying to remember it's like which like gosh it's,
0: yeah, yeah it came out 1988 oh, yeah,
5: 1988 gosh. i believe it was july in japan 1988
1: okay yeah so i mean obviously this is there's a lot to talk about here so we're gonna make sure that we are able to talk about it in full so if you haven't seen the film and you want to experience it you know first before listening to this i would highly recommend going and watching it there are multiple ways you can do so um Funimation has it on their website. Hulu has it. In
0: America. Um, no, in the UK. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> um, Verve, a, a bunch of different um, online platforms. I think Amazon might have it online. Crunchyroll. Crunchyroll, yeah. There, there's a plenty of official ways to uh, watch this film, so I highly recommend you go and support it, watch it, and then if you want to just listen to our discussion afterwards, just come. Go, feel free to come back to the website and let's take a listen. But let's not beat around the bush since you all the rest of you are here to listen to ta- us talk about this film so we're going to start by going through our as we usually do talk about our experience with the film so chris i would like to start with you and how did you first experience this film
0: it is so long ago <laughs> i'm not entirely sure when it was i saw it but i'm pretty sure, i was probably about 12 or something i think um the very first time I saw it um, was, I think I, I, it was, I think it was shown on the BBC at some point, and I, I wasn't old, old enough to watch it at that time. But um <laughs> I think my cousin recorded it, and he lent me the tape, and so the, that was the first time I saw it, and it was probably the first time I ever ever seen anything subtitled. Uh so i oh. I think at that age I was a bit like, uh, this is a bit weird. I don't want to read this, but I was still still i was um well, I think I was a bit confused first time I saw it um, <laughs> and then it's probably a couple of years later or something someone lent me uh the the v h s the retail version with the old old that um, uh, with the old dub on it the original streamlined dub Um, and then that was the first time I saw it Um, uh, so it was like very early when I was discovering what anime was um, Mm -hmm. which is true for a lot of people Uh, it was one of the first things that they watched Uh, it used to be that everyone into anime had seen it but more recently there's so many more ways to get into it that there are lots of people who haven't seen it Um, but Back in the day <laughs> everyone had seen it um and then i guess i probably next time i saw it was when it came out on dvd for the first time with the with the new dub um mm-hmm. and then most recently i've seen it on the blu-ray <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> it's like, oh and also i did actually read the manga um oh around sort of the time that i was watching it on video because uh, i've read um. about i read about I read about half of it, but normally that means you'd probably start reading some at the beginning and then stop halfway through. But no, I read it from from about halfway through to the end because oh. it, it was in, it was in a magazine that I was collecting, so I just um, read it from when I collected the magazine until it finished because it ran it ran from beginning to end in this old magazine called Magamania.
1: Hmm, and then that's where you got the like the latter portion of the story. At yeah. least the way it was handled, the manga.
0: Yeah, and we'll took, get to that
1: when we get into more of the background. But uh, yeah, that's interesting.
0: Yeah, it took up about half the magazine because oh. <laughs> it was a very long and thick manga. So yeah,
1: the chapters are pretty
5: massive. Also, yeah. there aren't really like chapters. How did they do that in like a mon- in like a magazine
2: publishing?
0: I, um, I don't know. <laughs> it was a long time ago.
2: I'm sure there are chapters. I'm pretty sure it was first published in. In, in Japan, in the same way, yeah, I mean, it was guess,
0: it was I mean, serialized, yeah. Yeah. So,
5: I guess because the version that I read, it doesn't have any chapter breaks, so it's just like a long continuous story true.
1: in the in the volume.
0: Yeah. So Akira has been with me a long time, basically.
1: <laughs> and you still enjoy it every single time you watch it, or is it like it's has it aged well for you?
0: Oh yeah, it's amazing. Um, <laughs> it's it is it's one of these things that the first time you see it, um, is, it is especially like when you see it at a time before you've seen a lot of anime, you're like, what is this? <laughs>
4: what, is what is this, this amazing that thing?
0: Is... And that is why um, everybody, after they saw it, wanted to see a lot more anime and that's why um, uh, on the success of this coming out in the UK a whole video label was, was started because um, it came out so, like in the early '90s in the UK, and then it was popular. So um, they, the distributor, set up Maga Video. Oh, Manga Video, and oh, so, okay. Gotcha. So, and they've been around ever since, and they've re-released the film every couple of years to keep it in, <laughs> yeah. in uh, as you would, because it always sells and everyone likes it. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and then everyone discovered that there wasn't really much else like Akira, um, which was. Thing called the Akira effect, I think, where people are like, "I uh, want to get, I want to get more things like Akira." Then they just <laughs> out, there isn't really anything much else like Akira. Oh, okay.
1: No, no, there is not. That's that's one of the things that makes it unique, I guess. Um, all right, let's move to Dan. What was uh, where did you and first encounter Akira? Uh,
2: oh my gosh, kind of similar age to Chris. Um, I had a friend who was like we. Just hung out all the time and drew and watched, you know, the sorts of things that teenage boys do when they're like testing the waters, like mm-hmm. lots of Tarantino and everything. And anyway, uh, we were big fans of like Dragon Ball Z, I think was on TV at the time.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and yeah, like similar to what Chris is saying, it was like you would go into, you know, HMD, like the record stores, and you'd see what was at the time, like, quite a modest, like, anime section. It was always tagged onto the world cinema, and you'd always see, like, Ninja Scroll, Akira, Ghosts mm-hmm. in the Shell, um uh you know, things like that. It was, it was just one of those, like, titles that you knew. Even if you didn't know anything about anime at all, you were like, yeah, I know that one. I know that one's a classic. Anyway, so we... We were kind of curious. I think I was about, I must have been about 12 or 13. And we rented it. I think we had to get our moms to rent it because it was, <laughs> you know, we weren't old enough to even rent it. And we went upstairs to his room and we watched it on his like, uh, like, like old portable, uh, like CRT TV, about 14 inch TV. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was the dub. I remember that much. Um, and it was kind of like, I mean, this is like being really honest. I wasn't sure if I liked it the first time I watched it Mm -hmm. because it was one of these things that had been like hyped up so much. And you know, like the old generations, like telling us like, this is, this is the real deal. It's, It's a classic Akira. I didn't know how the hell to process it. And I do remember at the end of the movie, um, there's a line, and i can't remember what i can i can't remember what dub that we saw um, it might have been the old the new one or the old one i can't remember anyway there's a line at the end where the old like um like scientist dude says if my calculations are correct this is the beginning of the universe or something like that mm-hmm.
4: or, this is the
2: end of the universe or something and it was such a a stupidly like uh, mind bending phrase, so we just laughed. Um, and then I think I sort of not dismissed it, but I just didn't watch it for a while. I, I was like, Yeah, I've seen that, like it was a checklist thing. And mm-hmm. then I saw it again when I started studying art a bit more mm-hmm. and like drawing, and it. Vi- like it was like a visual treat it really blew me away i think that must have been uh i found i found the dvd again anyway um but i've like returned to it every now and again like uh over the few uh, over the next few years and and i liked it more and more every time and i appreciated it more and more every time and i understood it <laughs> every, more more and every time so it was like this sort of yeah, as I've gotten older, I've loved it even more because I didn't really love it when I first saw it, to be really honest. But like obviously like since studying animation and working animation, like just as just as a technical feat, mm-hmm. it's absolutely mind blowing. And then um on top of that, when I found out, you know, that it was adapted from a from a manga, like understanding the ways in which Otomo had like Adapted his own work and sort of tried to like keep all the themes in place, but like compress the story itself. Yeah, Um, that's also amazing in itself. And um, yeah, so yeah, that's my experience of it. And then, of course, like most recently, (laughs) like oh, I think I saw it in the cinema once as well, and that I think that helped a lot. I saw it on some, I think I saw it at the Prince Charles Cinema, the sort of second-run cinema in London. Uh, And having a cinema experience always, well, you know, it helps the movie, like, no matter what movie it is. Yeah. I think, really. yeah,
1: especially if it's a, a movie as highly revered as this movie is. It's like it's or at mm. least with the like you said, it's a technical marvel. So being able to see it on one of the biggest screens possible actually really helps you notice things, I think.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's basically my uh, my sto- my Kira story.
1: Cool. <laughs> All right. We'll go down. Nina, how about you? Yeah so I um, was more of a
5: newer anime fan like I was definitely way past like the original Akira generation Um, and Akira was just like a movie that I'd always known about like it's just impossible to not know about it like I don't know where I heard about it on the internet somewhere probably and I had just always wondered about it and my brother like he wasn't ever really into anime my older brother but he was sort of curious about it because he kind of likes weird body horror and weird sci-fi stuff and so i think i was like i was in high school so it have been like 15 or 16 or something and i think we rented it from netflix like the physical copy back when they used to mail you the dvds in the mail right um and I think we rented it that way. And it was the original dub because not the original dub. It was the second dub.
4: Mm, mm-hmm.
5: um, so it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't the original dub. It was the second one. And we were just like, yeah, what is, what is this movie? Like, what is this thing? Cause I, you know, really liked anime and I was just really curious, like how it fit into the whole thing and like what the big deal was. So we sat down, we watched it by ourselves and um, like the family living room. So it was kind of a nice setup and we were just very confused Um, it was amazing like the animation was stunning and like you know my brother really enjoyed the body horror at the end but like the plot moved so quickly and it was just this crazy breakneck pace and you know things got very metaphysical at the end so it was kind of like hard to grasp what was going on but it it definitely stayed with me like I, I didn't regret watching or anything, even if I wasn't quite sure how to feel about it. And I was just really, really curious about what I just watched. Not just the, um, like, the animation production side of it, but more, like, the historical side of it. Like, why did Otomo tell the story at this time? What was he trying to say? What was he trying to say about his his country and his culture? So I spent a lot of time, like, reading about that and thinking about that um, as I've kind of, like, explored other anime and like how different things fit together and like Japanese history and politics fit together and come together in my brain as I've you know read and watched their pop culture so yeah like Akira is a movie that I think about a lot even though I haven't seen it that many times because it's just such a dense concept and like every once in a while like becomes relevant like it never ceases to be relevant Mm -hmm. even if a lot of people don't It was like how Chris was saying, like, it used to be just a thing that everybody watched. And now that's kind of not the case anymore. Yeah. Very far and away from what most people think of anime to be, especially modern anime. But, like, it's so dense (laughs) that it just, like, sometimes it keeps me up in the middle of the night. I'm just like, oh, yeah, that one part of Akira, what the fuck was happening there? Like, what was he saying about, like, the military industrial complex and all this stuff? So that's kind of like my relationship with it. I've seen it. I, I've actually never sat through the original dub all the way. I've seen parts of it, obviously, because, you know, mostly just like the the clips on YouTube of people, like, cutting all the scenes of them screaming at each other. And, <laughs> uh, you know, Canada or, no know, Kaneda. <laughs> if the original dub was Kaneda. Kaneda, Kaneda Tetsuo, you know,
1: <laughs> that stuff. But That's beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. <laughs>
5: Yeah, in um, this most recent viewing, I actually saw it in Japanese because I was kind of curious because Ooh. of like the lip syncing thing. And I gotta tell you, this movie is very hard to watch with subtitles because it is so visually dense. Oh right! Like you miss so many things by just taking half a second to look at the bottom of the screen to oh. read what they're saying.
0: Yeah, you no, twelve year old me, that yeah.
4: Yeah,
2: (laughs) (laughs) especially the gang like there's so much happening all the time people are never standing still yeah
5: there's no stagnant shots in this entire movie yeah they're always except for the beginning so it's like watching it with subtitles was so hard i liked it i like the you know the original voices and things but like i don't know i don't know if i recommend it i honestly recommend it watching it just in japanese with no subtitles if you want to watch in the original language because oh that sounds great you're gonna get about as much either way you know that's true yeah and you've already seen the dub then you have a yeah you know what's happening of what's going on it's not like it has the most sophisticated script you know like it's mostly people just being very emotional about crazy things that are happening
0: and shouting each other's names at each other
5: exactly yeah, it's a lot of yelling people's names.
2: That was that was definitely how I processed it when I first watched it, like as a thirteen or twelve year old. Was like, I'm talking about politics and this is going way over my head. But you're right. It is actually quite at least like plot story wise, it's quite straightforward.
5: Yeah, it, it, but it, it puts kind
2: on some of... a kind of um it, it it it's 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 kind of like the equivalent of like when you're talking to someone they're talking very fast or they're using very big words but mm-hmm. they're just saying hey let's treat people nice and you know it's the message is actually quite simple
4: mm-hmm. yeah.
5: yeah um so yeah you can totally i think you can totally watch the movie without subtitles in just japanese and have a really great experience but i do also really enjoy the dub as well mm-hmm. um, so yeah that's kind of my experience with akira it's just this movie that that haunts me <laughs> Every couple months it like comes in the dead
1: of night. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much, Nina. And lastly, but certainly Allie you're very even eager to talk about this movie so how did you come across
3: it it's very strange actually I, I agree with uh nina and dan it's one of those movies that you hear about and then after you've heard about it enough you don't exactly remember where you heard about it i remember seeing the movie, seeing the poster the, uh, especially the poster made a huge impact on me so i started watching clips and i've only seen this movie in full twice and I only—it's funny because I had seen clips. I think all the way back in was it 2014, 2015? I started watching clips from it because I was very curious. And even from the clips, without spoilers, this movie really makes an impact. I mean, it really makes an impact. Once you watch Okuda, you will not be able to forget anything in this movie. So I watched it. And I remember I was I was trying to get some. I thought, okay, I'm going to watch this movie, and I'm going to get some work done at the same time. I, I'm going to get some sketches done at the same time. <laughs> oh, those ske- that sketch pad was in the corner because I couldn't take my eyes off the screen. Exactly. Oh, very first shot. I don't. Um, I don't want to go without going into too many spoilers at this point. The opening shot itself pretty much is a, is a metaphor for the audience's brains during this movie. <laughs> and that's, and I, from the very first shot, I, even upstairs, when I was watching it earlier today, my eyes just, whoa, that's how I felt when I first saw this movie. And it was, it was just out of curiosity because I heard critics commending it and I love anime I've been watching anime since I was little The first movie my neighbor Totoro when I was a toddler so I, I love anime so I, I watched this and I thought oh, okay okay I'm going to finally watch Akira oh my goodness it's a roller coaster I mean the first thing you notice I noticed about it was the, well, the production value I mean uh, this artwork is jaw-dropping and I remember watching it thinking these people sometimes the, the characters they move I, I, at the risk of sounding a little biased here, because I love Disney so much, sometimes they do move like Disney characters, especially with these expressions. I mean, when you have yeah. the, the character uh, Tetsuo, when the gang pins him to the sidewalk, they're about to they're about to burn uh, Kaneda's bike, and his expression there looks like something from a Disney movie. It just it's it, but it's so it's so full of rage and it's just, it gives, it it has, it's amazing. The emotions in this movie, it's like, you're almost sometimes watching real people, the way they express themselves. Sometimes they're more expressive than real people. Yeah, Yeah, honestly, they palpable. (laughs) So you could only imagine, I mean, me, when I'm, I'm drawing characters, I'm sometimes looking at this thinking and I, I will seriously do this. I will think, I wonder, I wonder if, man, I think the people in Akuda pulled this off better because I keep thinking about the art production value in this movie. So when I watched it for the first time, the first thing I noticed was the movie has a very deep message and I, Kind of like Blade Runner, it's not so much about the story, so yeah. much as about the music, the experience. It is a movie experience. Mm-hmm. And again, I, well, I had my sketch pad in front of me, and I tossed it aside because I was just sinking deeper into this. It's an acid trip. This movie <laughs> is like an acid trip. There's no other way to describe it. Um, not that I would know. <laughs> but, but anyway, this movie is, is crazy from beginning to end, but it's, it's crazy in all the right ways. My mind kept getting blown over and over. I thought, okay, I'm expecting some body horror moments because everybody knows about that infamous scene. I'm not going to spoil here. Everyone knows about the infamous we'll scene.
1: We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, it's
3: my favorite. And <laughs> I first saw this on that on um, uh, WatchMojo.com. WatchMojo.com. Top ten. Uh, was it Metamorphoses in anime or movie, in movies in general? When I, that's how I first saw that sequence, because I had been watching clips, I was in college, very busy. I saw that scene, and it was like a, it was like a kid who accidentally stumbles across something not supposed to. My eyes were glued to the screen. (laughs) I was frozen. I didn't, I didn't know whether to feel horrified or excited or amazed, because (laughs) every moment, and the nightmare sequences in this movie will give you nightmares. I mean, once... They are freaky. This but this movie isn't just freaky, it, it's it's absolutely gorgeous. And I saw yeah, I saw it on YouTube and the best part about it is I mean I could go back I mean and click to the location that I wanted to see again and it, it was just it was a roller coaster. I loved it and I actually regret not seeing it earlier because this is a movie that I, I tell everybody about this movie. I, I told my mom, I said, Mom, I watched this movie called Akira and she goes Oh, yeah, that, that little anime. And I'm thinking, there's not a little anime. <laughs> <laughs> it is not a anime. All, all I kept laughing to myself because my mom hates horror movies that are really gory. And uh-huh. so I kept thinking, a part of me just says, hey, mom, I have a movie for you. <laughs> 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 but I didn't do that to her. But uh, this movie is fantastic. I, I love I love. You can tell it's a, definitely a product of love on the writers' part, on the filmmakers. You can tell the animators; they must have been having the times of their lives making this movie because they they put all their effort into the character expressions. I mean, again, it's not all about the story; it's about the characters themselves, mm-hmm. and that's what I like. See, personally, I don't always like complex stories in movies. Sometimes, especially with animated films. Um, I just like the simple story that goes along with the gorgeous animation. I mean, it was like that movie, um, what was it, uh, Secret of Kells? The movie Secret of Kells? Oh, heck yes. So easy to follow. You can pretty much understand what's going on from the beginning. As soon as the, the narrator or wh- however they introduced that movie, I can't remember how they introduced the story. But it's very easy to figure out what's going on even from the trailer. And when you watch the movie, you don't really care. Uh, you, you care about this journey they go on because everything they come across is a nightmare or it's absolutely gorgeous or it's both and to me i think Akuda is just a visual treat mm-hmm. it's just amazing but yeah be warned for those listening be warned it is nightmare fuel if you don't like horror movies if you don't like body horror movies if you, it, this is definitely not the movie for you but if you're feeling gutsy watch it because it is it's an amazing film mm-hmm. I, I yeah and every time and and yes actually um I think uh, I think you brought up a very good point, Dan, when you were talking about how when you see this movie, you really, whenever you see another anime, part of you can't stop thinking about Akira, because once you see it, you won't forget it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it sticks with you. It so, really yeah, does. Yeah, and I came, I don't even remember how I came across it, but I do... Remember hearing about how TMS did the animation for it, and that's one of the big reasons I wanted to see it because I had heard that the animation was more Western than it, than any other anime that had been made. And it, wow, it was—it's just amazing. So that—that's—that's yeah, that's my experience with Akira.
1: Your Akira story, and I'm gonna like, I'm gonna slowly, like as I said, raise my hand, even though I know you got y'all can't see it. I'm just like, I was actually gonna admit something I probably already did in the last episode. Or that you might hear if you're listening to the gaming podcast, but I'll reiterate it here. This for this podcast episode, this was my very first time watching Akira. I know knew of its reputation. I knew very well of its reputation, (laughs) and that it was a scary movie. And being the ninny that I am, I (laughs) kind of avoided it for for that specific reason. But. As I've worked on this podcast and you know, worked as part of Animation for Adults, I've come to experience quite a bit of different um, animation. Animation that has challenged me, that has um, helped me experience things to basically say, okay, I don't have to be afraid of stuff like this because if I think about it in a certain way, I can really appreciate what I'm seeing in terms of what made it real. So that was the mindset I that I brought with me into this experience of logging into Funimation.com and uh, experiencing the second dub of uh, of Akira. And, um, yeah, it's... <laughs> everything else, everyone else has said
4: up to this point,
1: it's a matter of, I'm still kind of grappling with those feelings in terms of the fact that, yes, I'm still kind of having the film in replay in my brain uh, over and over again. And I actually had to jump back on the online earlier before we started recording to... Rewatch a little bit of it to see like if there was anything I missed from that first viewing but and I, I did start to notice there was <laughs> <laughs> oh, <I did. laughs> There's probably tons more but um, here's the thing. It's like Whether or not the question is did or I did I not like this movie? Well, I'm looking at my clock here and it looks I think my order of the 24th the 25th anniversary blu-ray which has both dubs and Japanese dub and both uh first two volumes of the manga should be coming to my house about tomorrow
3: I think so oh wow
1: that is a sign that yes I did like it and I do plan on watching it and reading it and finding everything else that I can because much in uh the same vein as Nina was explaining in her story after experiencing this movie I feel like at least with how condensed it was story-wise and just how much was going on I feel like I only got like the surface Of what kind of story was being told here?
4: Mm. So I really
1: want to go back and either a like see what I can pick up from multiple viewings of the film, and you know in multiple languages most multiple dubs, and even read the manga, at least, you know, once I have, once I can afford the whole freaking series, it's very expensive. Uh, Yeah,
3: absolutely, I mean, and another thing, I mean, with any kind of a movie, even with a TV series, sometimes liberties have to be taken, especially, you know, when you you are adapting a a move when you're adapting a manga, or even a novel, a regular, a a Western novel to the screen, you have to take out certain details, so when you have, it's it's the same with the, the novel Blade Runner. I mean, even even the, produce, the producer, uh, Ridley, the director, Ridley Scott, spoke to uh, uh, Philip uh, K. Dick, the, the man who wrote the original story. And that guy, the author, sort of in the same way this movie was made, did give his blessing over the story. He didn't work with it directly, mm-hmm. but he admitted that certain things did have to be taken out due to a time constraint. So I can see, yeah, definitely... I think reading it would definitely help. I yeah. I, I, plan, I plan to do it too. Yeah.
1: I know, you know yet,
4: yeah, but the, I did want to. I'm sorry, I'm so sorry.
5: The ah. manga just has more time to breathe. <laughs> like you can kind of sit with these characters for a little while and, and sit in these scenes and kind of have more time to like parse out who everybody is, what everyone. Yeah, is.
2: I remember that too. I remember I read like I think I read about four. You know, of the big volumes of the manga.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And exactly as you're saying, it's like, okay, I get who these characters are a lot more. Like the, the, the bike gang, you have a mo, I, I think in a way, uh, what, reading the manga makes you love the characters in the movie more.
5: It does, for sure.
2: Um, it's kind of like, it's kind of, I don't know what it's, what it's like. It's kind of like, I don't know, watching, um, like Age of Ultron ish, or I guess Infinity War, like uh, oh, without agreed. having been, yes. you know, all of the in, in, in the in between movies, because it's like, oh, okay, well, I I get like the beat they're playing there with, you know, Thor sort of being kind of jokey with Hulk, but when you watch all their other movies, you're like, <laughs> oh, I get where that comes from now. I understand.
0: I but, thought I thought you might say it's a bit like the difference of. Like watching Game of Thrones when you read the books, you ah uh, oh, yes okay, okay.
2: yeah it, I don't watch Game of Thrones so I didn't I didn't have that in my in the front of my mind, but yes, yes. that's probably a very good
0: because yeah. I I watched the first series of that mm-hmm. and then I went back and read the books and basically when I and I had to get through as many as I could as quickly as I could really because <laughs> they were I liked them so much but. Um, i feel that it adds so much to the the series when you watch it because it there's there's more than actually you you bring something extra to it yeah yeah that isn't really there on the tv show or whatever but you you feel like more vested and stuff oh yeah so it's kind of like that um (laughs)
1: <laughs> yes, I'm sorry, I just wanted to make a quick aside in, to, in, in closing, because there was something as much as I enjoyed this movie and as much like I said, I'm going through the motions of the fact that it was such a condensed experience that I'm still trying to like go through the different bits and like try to get as much of the characters I can glean, but if there was I wouldn't say it's a flaw, it's more of a distraction for me, because of the fact that I just, I can recognize too many voice actors now Um, I mean, <laughs> In the second dub, uh, which was the dub that I experienced, we have um, the main characters, uh, Kaneda and Tetsuo. Uh, Kaneda is, of course, as um, we, I believe we've discussed, I'm not sure we did it on the air, um, John Young Bosch uh, plays... <sighs> my boy oh no, no. He is, <laughs> my boy he has been He's, in so many things and almost he was
5: robbed of, them, of that award for that performance though almost
1: all He's of them true. always have yuri lowenthal but surprisingly yuri lowenthal was not in this movie but Yuri's probably, awesome they both are they are phenomenal actors and i love everything that they do though i do want to make a special mention the fact that the biggest distraction was not johnny on Bosch, surprisingly for me it was the young, it was the actor who played um, Tetsuo, who really just kind of threw me for a loop, because uh, Joshua Seth is the name of the actor. I know he's been other things, and I pro- and he's a wonderful actor. He did a great job with this movie. I cannot hear his voice and not hear Ty from Digimon. Oh,
3: no. <laughs> that was, is that who that is? Yes. Oh, my gosh.
1: <laughs> and I was like, Basically, the first line he gets in the movie where he's um, checking out Kaneda's bike, basically kind of going over the technical aspects of it.
2: It's uh, what he says, prodigious.
1: (laughs) Yeah! Yeah. Yes. I'm just like, for the second he opened his mouth, I'm like, wait, Ty? Ty, what are you doing here in this (laughs) post-apocalyptic Tokyo? Tokyo? You should go find Agumon. Go back to the digital world. You (laughs)
3: imposter! (laughs) Go back to Happy Land.
1: So when the crazier stuff starts happening to Tetsuo, and like the psychic powers start coming, and you know he starts going, he starts going crazy, it was kind of a little, it was a little jarring for me because all like again, I could, I, I was really trying to more picture the character he was portraying, and, and that's more service to him as an actor. But it's, I don't know why that voice he does is just so in, you know, ingrained in my brain to identify as just tie for the character from digimon the main protagonist in digimon it was just like oh no <laughs> oh no <laughs> like this didn't ruin the experience for me i still had a great time and i think joshua did a fantastic job for this dub like everyone else who um was on this wendy lee um michelle ruff was here was on there lots of and stephen bloom of course had a Few seconds, like, oh my no, gosh, you kidding me! I love it! Can, Spike Spiegel, yeah, he was in, he oh my gosh, number one,
0: <laughs> yeah. But the first one had a Ninja Turtle in the lead, so
1: I know, again. oh no, <laughs> <Tim gasps> Clark. That's That's right. Right. It's Sam Clark, that, um, Clark. the man who I always enter, underf- I mean, yes, as uh, Leonardo from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but I always identify underf- as um, Metal Gear Solid,
3: brother. Cam Clark, the man. I love him. I love
1: him. He's that's in. why I really want to see that dub, the, the first dub, because I really want to hear him as Canada.
0: Both of these dubs are total time capsules for the time oh. that they were made. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yes. oh yeah. It's like you just look hard. at the 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 cast list and you go, oh yeah, that's everyone who was in the anime voice acting in two thousand and one. Oh yeah, that's that's but the other the others are sort of there wasn't really an anime. It, you know, dubbing industry at that point because Akira sort of started it, but yeah. uh, they're like the who's, who's who of voice acting at the time.
3: Yeah, it's, it's kind of like when you watch uh, all those different dubs of Dragon Ball Z. I mean, you have the Ocean dub, you have the original dub, then you have a Dragon Ball Z Kai. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you have all these different, but each one, as you were saying, is just it's a time capsule into all these different years that the, the, the anime was released. And then, of course, everyone has their favorites, but it's still, it's amazing just to hear all the differences because, it, yeah, it is a time capsule. Into this time when okay, here is the cast who was popular here. Here is the cast who is who is doing that same thing here, and it's it's really uh, it really is amazing. It does add to the experience. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting though. uh, Rachel, something you mentioned. I um, don't need to intervene here, but I have a a interject here. There's a really funny. You were talking about how uh, what's what's the actor's name again who plays um, uh, Canada? You said was distracting.
1: Oh, no, it was, it was Tetsuo's
3: actor Tetsuo, Tetsuo. It's funny. Oh, no, it, th- yeah, that's his this name. This has nothing to do with the movie. But this does have something to do with this in a way. Um, when The Incredibles came out when yeah. I was little, that was, for, when I was little, animation was a gateway for me to see a lot of famous actors that my parents had known for being in live-action movies because, you know, you move on to animation later sometimes. So I had seen The Incredibles. I had no idea who Craig T. Nelson was at <laughs> all. So I heard this guy has a funny voice. <laughs> later that year... My mom shows me Poltergeist.
1: <laughs> oh, my goodness. So
3: I'm listening to the movie, and I'm like, Mom, I'm sorry. I don't see a dad here. All I see is Mr. Incredible fighting a ghost. <laughs> it doesn't help me, okay?
1: Yeah, we all have those certain actors that we, like, or voices that we get so ingrained in our heads to oh, be yeah. a character
3: because that character, like, really just – spoke to us or really it, like, meant yeah, a lot to us. It's especially more disturbing if you hear them playing a cute character and then you see them playing someone so despicable on screen. Yeah, like you, rough. Like for like with uh, Hercules, the Disney movie, Hercules, you have James Woods, a great actor. He's funny in that. You see some of the movies he's done. <laughs> it's insane. It'll ruin that movie.
0: <laughs> you see some of his tweets.
3: Yeah. They? Yeah. <laughs> That's to say. Nice. <laughs> now he's yeah. a
0: real life villain.
3: slap an R rating on that Twitter account. <laughs> like, I, like the same <laughs> case for
5: the the Japanese cast as well. Like those were all like pretty heavy heavy hitter actors at the time who've been in like oh, so yeah. many things. So like, look, well, except for the the numbers. Who one thing that I did like about the Japanese dub is they were actually played by children.
3: Which is ah. yeah, that is distracting when adults play children, isn't? It? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs>
5: Like and not to like besmirch like voice actresses who can do good kid voice, but there's nothing quite like listening to an actual like eight year old in a booth. Well, well,
3: I agree. Yeah, that, that's that's one of my. I, I mean, I mean, I know. I wonder why The Incredibles keeps being brought up in, in the Akira review. <laughs> but um, it's the, the. I have no complaints about Sarah Val. She's the woman who plays Violet in The Incredibles. But to me, now I think they should have at least gotten someone, I don't know, a little younger to play her because I don't hear a teenager anymore. In the first movie I did, this one, it's a little distracting. But again, that's just a minor complaint. So I, I do see where you're coming from. I, I know there are some great actresses who can do children's voices. I mean, oh, that voice actress who died recently, Christine Cavanaugh.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh,
3: she, gosh. Yeah. She did um, She did um, many characters. She was uh, a Chucky and Rugrats. She was the uh, little girl in Darkwing Duck. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so she did did great kid voices up until her 40s. But then, like you said, there are some actresses who are fantastic, but it sounds like a teenager doing an eight-year-old's voice. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's it's, it's creepy. (laughs) I
2: think think in the case of Akira, the kids are creepy kids. They're they're supposed to be
5: (laughs) They're already very creepy. And it
2: kind of added... I I think it definitely, like the first time we saw the movie, it just added to the ambiguity of like, are these old people, or are they just... That's what I was confused
3: about. Lost Boys, the movie Lost Boys on Steroids. (laughs) Yeah, they're they're not children.
5: They're in, like, their mid-40s. Their bodies were frozen
3: by all the experiments and stuff. Oh, (laughs) those... Okay, those are the children we're talking about. I thought you were talking about the bikers. (laughs) No. No. (laughs) No I, still, no, I now I see where the creep factor, what you're talking about. Yeah, the, the psychic children. Yeah, that, that is creepy. But I think yeah. yeah, what you were saying, though, that does help, though, because movies are already creepy, so having that does create more of the... add to the atmosphere.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that we seem to be concentrating on the, the fact... The, the word creepy is coming up a lot, and weird, <laughs> and freaky, and, and things like that. But those are not, like... The main thing I think of when I think of Akira mm, I, I i agree that's not the like the big selling point of the film it was Akira was always this cool thing and it was always the and that you associate with like bikes chases and amazing uh, amazing cityscapes and things like that and like um like futuristic vistas and um, the um the the trails left by the bikes and things like that, and, the, oh, and you know, all oh, with the yeah. soundtrack and everything like that. And that is what you think of. That is the first thing that comes to your it's mind. The you are. Yeah.
2: yeah. It's, it's like that first, yeah. like, I must have seen like a trailer before I saw the movie. And it's like, it's absolutely, yeah, it's the atmosphere and the experience. And I think. You know, for all the, I, I mean, I, I don't know if you can call it a fault or particularly, you know, the fact that Otomo, um, who wrote the manga and drew the manga himself, you know, had the opportunity to um, to adapt his own work to to a feature-length film. The fact that he, he man, you know, it, it does get a little bit complicated and we're talking about the plot as if it's sort of, you know, it It goes at a breakneck speed, and you're like suddenly you know you have to play catch up a lot, you have to
4: yeah. as a yeah.
2: viewer be actually very involved and be like Oh okay that's happening there and while that's happening, these guys are are you know getting on with this thing, and you have to sort of like you know do a little bit more work than <laughs> yeah than, than you than you're used to doing.
3: But that's pure—that's pure sci-fi, though, Dan. I mean, that's pure sci-fi. Yeah. Science fiction shouldn't give you answers. A science fiction should make you think. I mean, that—that's the whole point of it. And this movie makes you think.
2: That's I mean, true. I think I—I I think I do think of it the movie like historically, though, like, in—in those terms, like, it was probably the—it must have been like the first time that uh, audiences outside of Japan were faced with that kind of, you know. I'm sure. I'm sure. I, I've seen, or even if I haven't seen them, I'm sure they exist. There are headlines from the 80s with this movie. <laughs> this isn't Disney, you know.
4: No, like. no it is. No kidding.
2: <laughs> but I think I, I do think historically, it's you know, like Chris is saying, you know, the, the 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 whole reason manga video or manga entertainment, you know, exists is because of this movie, because of the impact that it had. Um, on people and yeah, regardless of the plot, it's the atmosphere. It's like it's the colors. Oh my god! Oh, yeah. yeah, this the, the thing that struck me with this film, uh, at least visually, watching it uh, most recently uh, yesterday was how well it dances from. Um, I can't remember who was saying. It. I think it was it was either Nina or Ali. You were saying. Like, the animation is is quite exaggerated at times.
3: Yes, in almost a fluid way. I mean, the frame rate on this movie is so flawless that it does, it has, it's so smooth. Sometimes you feel like you're not even watching an anime. Sometimes you feel like, it feels like you're just watching a cinematic Western film. And it's... In some ways, you can. Do, yeah. it, it does feel like an anime, but, yeah, it's very fluid. It's, it's beautiful.
2: But it, it, it is, and it, but it, it, also, it also, like, dances around from, like, really realistic stuff. Oh, yeah. But the chases are quite realistic. They're quite um, – it, it does look like a live-action movie, but then when they're screaming in each other's oh. faces, the movie, like, bends towards this really expressive thing, and the lighting gets really expressive, and all the colors um, – you know become this sort of like uh you know this like neon explosions of like reds and really bright, uh bright reds and greens and and yeah. you know in a way that uh i it, just the way it dances from you know stylized to quite realistic moments is the thing that impressed me the most oh, yeah on definitely. the last rewatch definitely
5: i got yeah because like I do love this movie. I do. But one thing I got to say is that it it's kind of a hot mess
4: um, in a lot <laughs> yes. of
5: <scenes>. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> not just because it's strange, not just because it's it's so bizarre, but the pacing. That was actually the thing that stood out to me the, this most recent time watching it. The scene transitions from some scenes are so jarring. Mm-hmm.
4: Uh,
1: there's oh, no yes.
5: breathing room whatsoever like you'll have these very elaborate set piece it kind of almost feels like a series of set pieces like you'll have this very elaborate set piece where you have so many things visually going on like they're at a mall and they're like flirting with these girls and you see all these people in the background and then there's an explosion and then they're trying to figure out what to do and then it just cuts to some other scene with these completely other different people sometimes instantaneously sometimes it's not even a fade in some cuts in this movie are just like
3: almost jump cuts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I agree. Like that elevator scene. I remember when the, the, the scientists scene is I great. remember I was watching that today and even now it feels like that was from an earlier point in the movie and it was just inserted in there because the next clip is them literally down in that frozen tunnel.
5: Yeah. Like I, I do think Otomo is a fantastic storyteller, but I also do feel like he has issues with with pacing and trying to figure out like, cause he definitely is like a a set piece. He's a, a visual director who imagines things scene by scene, but I don't think he always thinks about like how to get from one scene to the next scene in a way that kind of flows very well. Like I've always maintained that this film is very important and like technically an amazing Marvel, but sometimes as an actual cinematic experience, it's, it's. I think a big reason why everybody focuses on, like, the crazy things that happen in it is because it's kind of hard to focus on anything else. Like, even though there are a lot of important themes happening, mm-hmm. it's just delivered in this kind of honestly awkward way
4: <laughs> that it's
5: hard to really engage with what yeah. the movie is trying to tell you beyond like here's a spectacle that your brain can't even physically process like some scenes go by so quickly um like in a blink of an eye you know you're like they're and they're just these masterfully animated scenes and you want to see every single little detail but then you're like it's hard to focus it really is and i feel like um in a way it's it's just like the 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 script of the movie. Like it's it's very clear that he was on this crunch to try to adapt whatever he had. But also, there's the fact that, and we haven't discussed this yet. Otomo hadn't finished writing the manga. When yes, the that's yeah. true. He was writing the manga. He had quite a bit of it out when he was approached, um, you know, by a studio to like a, adapt it into. A film and he was very intrigued because he you know obviously this man wanted to be a director it's very clear if you read any of his manga that he has this very cinematic approach to manga writing but he wanted like complete control of the project and but it kind of blew into this thing that had this the budget is insane. The amount of people working on this movie was insane. The risks involved with this movie were insane. And he himself hadn't even completely figured out what his story was <laughs> when he was asked to make it. And he was finishing writing the story while he was making the movie. In fact, the ending of the movie is like, he came up with the ending for the movie, and then he's like, oh, that's how I want the comic to end. And then he had oh to my gosh. finish the comic oh, no. write it to be where it was at in the comic, to be where he wanted it to end up in the, like how it ended the movie where, you know, they create a new universe and they open this singularity and all the spiritual stuff happens.
3: It's <laughs> 2001, a space odyssey. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty
2: fun, okay, well, Can I jump in? Yes. If, please. yes. I, I think it's a beautiful coincidence that you just said that. Um, all the things you were saying, Nina, about like the, the, the editing style. Mm-hmm. Um going into the movie this time, I remembered something that I read not too long ago and um I think it shed some light on that. Okay. Atomo is a big big fan of Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. And as soon as like I remembered that as I was watching the movie this second this this uh most recently, I started to see a lot of Kubrick Ah, you are
3: right. I'm do. I do see that now.
2: In, in not just like the editing, but like straightforward like uh, thematic things and homages. Like you know the I'm I'm sh- it's I'm positive that uh, a lot of the um, the ultra violence and the angst surrounding the kids yeah. is heavily cribbed from. Uh, clockwork orange yes i was
5: heavily cribbed from the time period it was made in um oh sure definitely in the 1980s japan was going it was economically speaking was the richest it's ever been and it had gone through this crazy economic boom after the post-war and after the end of american occupation and they had the country was very rich but there was this large disparity between younger generations who don't remember the war and older generations who had lived through that experience. And there was also a huge rise in juvenile crime in Japan. It was at that time, there was more punks and juvenile crime going on than ever before. And it really influenced that. Clearly like Otomo would like, would go outside and like see these kids like going around destroying stuff and wearing like masks and riding on, on motorcycles, which was also very big at the time when he started writing the comic mm-hmm. was these motorcycle gang culture. And I kind of get like the feeling that he was trying to like bridge this gap between like the Japan as it was at that moment and trying to understand how they got there and the Japan of like the ghost of the war and sort of this disparity between this modern generation's destructive behavior and the previous generation's differently destructive behavior.
4: Mm -hmm.
2: Um, How was the previous generation destructive?
5: They tried to colonize the world. (laughs)
2: yes okay yes right.
5: <laughs> no, i I, 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 I was asking that experience. question and i was
2: thinking of reality and also in the movie uh, in the world of akira itself
5: yeah well i mean because yeah. the, like the world of akira itself like it starts at the beginning of world war three because you know japan never really got over this idea of like being tied to world conflicts because of how World War II ended with the nuclear bomb and everything. And this mm-hmm. idea of like the next world conflict would start there sort of made sense at the time because of these anxieties and this like fear of like globalization was good because it was making them rich but it was like moving them away from who they were and it's like what is their identity what are they doing how do they fit in they kind of felt like kids like america came in and was like okay america okay japan you're going crazy over here trying to take over the world we're the only ones allowed to take over the world so we're, <laughs> <laughs> you know pat you on the head and get you back into shape
4: um, we
3: will show and, you how it's done
5: <laughs> like one realization i came to recently was that the relationship between tetsuo and kanada is actually very similar to the relationship between japan and the west oh (laughs) you know wow yeah where tetsuo is kind of like in the the world of the story right you know he, he doesn't have any power he doesn't have any agency he he's kind of born into this situation where like he feels like he should be he and Canada should be equals. Like he doesn't see any reason why they shouldn't be.
3: Yeah, and there is something, Nina. It, 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 you just brought that up. There is a moment in the movie, if you remember, where uh, Tetsuo says, "I can't help that I was." Was he said, "I was born small, or I was small?" Yeah. Yeah, he says that. 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 You're right. That. That does. That could have connections to
5: that. And I don't know this as a fact, but it's just like a recent reading that I kind of came onto to where it was kind of like, this is what I'm saying when this movie sometimes plagues me in the middle of the night.
4: <laughs> um, to the oh, conclusions,
5: great. Where it's like, yeah, so, you know, Tetsuo has this inferiority complex with Kaneda and he feels like he should be just as big and just as the big of the honcho as Kaneda. And Kanada's like, no, <laughs> obviously <laughs> not. Obviously I'm better than you. And so when Tetsuo was given this power he acts like a child and like tries to just dominate over everything. And he goes out of control and ends up taking over and like destroying everything around him. But he's always kind of acting like a spoiled child.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: You know, mm-hmm. at the very end of the movie when his body transforms into that oh, horrible monstrosity, oh god! Baby, right? He's a giant baby because that's how he's acting. He's oh my acting- God, you're right.
1: Yeah.
4: <sighs> because- that's so good. Yeah.
5: <laughs> Symbolism. <laughs> right, <don't
4: bring. laughs> and so, oh, yeah, so, so it's kind
5: of like this idea of, like, yeah. Japan kind of feeling, because after, like, the Meiji era and, like, the arrival of, like, Perry and the black ships and, like, the West was like, hey, Japan, we are going to make you open your borders where you want to or not, and as far as Japan was concerned, like they were the center of the universe. And then the West comes over and is like, um, actually you're not, we are. (laughs) And then World War II happens and Japan's like, well, if we want to become a major world superpower, we have to do what the other world superpowers are doing, which is imperialism and colonization. But by that point, the West had moved beyond that and was like, uh, you can't do that. That's fascism, blah, blah, blah. So we're going to stop you. (sighs) It was just always kind of this, like kind of like trying to play catch up. And this feeling of inferiority and this feeling of not having agency and this feeling of always being smaller, and even when you try to exert your dominance you 're destructive and a problem
3: it 's like when you have two do you have uh, two animals you have a, you have a large dog and a little dog and they 're pulling on the rope, and then the bigger dog 's pulling a little dog 's pulling harder, but then the little dog ends up dropping it and because yeah. you have the big superior, well, at least at the time, you have this one person who thinks, I'm bigger and better, but then sometimes the little dog bites back, mm-hmm. and it's just, it, yeah, it can get crazy, yeah. And Canada had no clue that Tetsuo was felt <laughs> this way at all. Yeah, I, I thought at one point in the movie, I'm thinking, okay, listen, I can understand at the beginning, okay, yeah, he's a little arrogant. After a while, give your friend a break, kind <laughs> of slack.
2: There was a there was a a quote halfway through the movie that I wrote down because it stuck out for me so much, and mm-hmm. it seemed to like really for me encapsulate the heart of their relationship.
0: Yeah.
2: It's um, I can't remember who who Canada is saying it to. But he says, Tetsuo is our friend. If someone's going to kill him, it should be us.
5: Yeah. I love and, that. And
2: it's like this, this insight into like, I want total control over him. And he thinks it's, I think really, I mean, the heart of the movie for me is their relationship. The reason it works, mm-hmm. if you don't understand the politics and all of the, uh, the historical context that you're going into, Nina. <laughs> the reason why you like it, or why I like the movie, is because at the heart of it, you've just got these two friends who can't quite see eye to eye, and it's heartbreaking.
5: It is. Because um, Canada's, Canada, Canada's so oblivious.
2: Yeah, it it's a really hurt. fucked up, tragic, like, love story. Like, bromance, really. Yeah,
5: mm-hmm. it is. And, and it's, they do it, care it, about each other
2: oh deeply yeah
5: <laughs> when they're trying to kill each other
2: yeah, yeah
5: it's, it's, it's like, <laughs> just, like these like kind of toxic like male like trying to be the, the
3: boss it's, it's kind of it's actually it just reminded me of something guys it reminds me this is kind of weird of if you read if you read the comics uh the relationship later on in, in the comic books uh, between batman and bane
1: mm, they be person. they
3: don't they hate each other But they end up they team up so much against was it Ra's al Ghul and all of the other characters. But they still at the end of that saying this doesn't change anything between us. We're still enemies. But they but it's almost like Batman won't let anyone kill him, and he won't let anyone kill Batman because he's mine. Hmm. If anyone's (laughs) going to kill him, it's me. And even I think even Bane says something like that in the comics. If anyone's going to kill the Batman, it's me. I remember now. It was in um, the recent uh, video game, the Arkham video game, with uh, Troy Baker played the Joker. Oh, <laughs> right, 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 right. right, right and, uh, yes, yes, and I think Fred Tatasciore I've actually played Bane, it, it, a fantastic voiceover. But uh, he, he sits there and he goes, uh, he says, uh, when he comes for you, I, and he points to himself, I am going to kill him, so you wait. <laughs> yeah. <'cause- laughs> so he goes, basically he said the same thing, if anyone's going to kill him, it's going to be me.
5: And the tragedy is like these two kids, they're just kids. And they were born into a horrible situation. Oh yeah. They had this same yeah. garbage life. They were born in a dumpster and treated like trash. But Tetsuo yeah. was more sensitive. Canada didn't really let it get to him as much, like because he had control of his own little corner of the world, which was his gang. Tetsuo didn't even have that.
4: Mm-hmm. And so yeah.
5: it's just these two kids having an infight, but they literally destroy everything in the.
4: Pocket. Literally.
3: <laughs> I think um, I think something important to point out about the movie is it is a science fiction movie, but as we were talking about, it, it has some political value to it. It does have some political symbolism, and I think you can definitely take a lot out of this movie. Something I took out of it, though, is... It's not so much for me science fiction, this is going to sound strange. It's not so much science fiction 100% sci fi as it is a horror movie. And I'm not talking about like a slasher, monsters, like alien versus predator horror movie. I mean something like along the lines of body horror and complete psychological just. Plain horror, like um, there was a movie that uh, Brad Pitt did years ago. It was called Seven. It was a horror movie, but it was a psychological horror movie. I mean, when you yeah. see movies like this, uh, David, Almost like a political horror movie. David Cronenberg is infamous for doing movies like that. He and Kubrick. Uh, it, David Cronenberg did. Um, let's see, what did he do? He did this movie called The Brood. He did The Fly. Um, um, all those. Videodrome. Creepy, the what? drone yeah. I get, yes, yes. He, he's done, um, I don't like his movies so much that they're really, they're disturbing. But the message, <laughs> they really are. I can't watch them. The fly made me sick to my stomach. But anyway. The, anyway. I can
2: watch The Fly for another reason in that it makes me weep myself. Into yeah. yeah
3: the oh, yeah. Oh. no.
2: You That's thought the ending.
3: You thought the ending to a, to Akira was heart wrenching. The fly <laughs> is downright. I need a. I need five tissue boxes. I, eyes. I am going to be wiping my eyes with the whole box at each time I'm crying because. But, but the thing to me, and this is really strange. I know. I was just thinking about how, in some ways, these are similar. I, mean, I saw. I saw a lot of Cronenberg, and I, I'm glad Kubrick was pointed out because I love Kubrick. But what really, because especially with the music, the creepy music throughout. Akira. I mean, the music is really plays a big role. And there's a there's a, a movie called Eyes Wide Shut. There's an infamous scene in that movie that has one song. There's a theme song, and it is a, a cultural song that they're playing. Like it's Roman Catholic. I can't remember what it is, but it sticks with you once you hear it. And and it's like the main theme song that that, that those men are singing in Akira. The male choir is singing that one song. There's nothing but their voices that yeah. rang out to me. But saying
2: my name over it, and over. Again
3: yes exactly it's it's a horror movie to me because it keeps hammering in frightening imagery as well as that's it <laughs> Yeah, almost almost like a,
5: a Hans Zimmer. blah. It's, it's, it's a combination of like traditional choir, Japanese like choir music and ethnic music. It's music, modern 80s like synth.
3: Just music. like another movie that introduced American audiences to anime. And that was Ghost in the Shell, which had the wedding mm-hmm. song in the beginning with the synthesizer music. I was just listening to that, actually, before I got into the podcast. That is... I mean, I, I love that because it's horrifying, but it does make you, in a way, the music makes you think. I know that's really strange, but when you, without um, without music, the movie would be nothing. And even Akira is no exception. Oh, yeah, be- yeah. Yeah, and then the use of silence, too. Like oh, my gosh, the silence.
1: To the, the, the s- music.
3: I mean, imagine how corny and goofy it would be on the point where, a, was it, Tetsuo was sitting on the throne, his arm is just mutating into this massive skin, but there's no music but you can hear every piece of metal and skin in that arm moving. Oh, God. Or the opening.
5: Oh! does any sound.
3: But it's, I, that, that makes it even better. Even in, um, I think, even Cronenberg's movie, The Fly, could have benefited more if, if it had taken, well, the the, the Akira approach, the, the theory we were talking about earlier, where, where silence is golden. Yeah. And... I think I know that sounds corny uh, silence is golden and I think Akira is should be held up as a as a perfect example for film students on why silence in filmmaking is a good thing because that scene where his arm is mutating would not be nearly as cringe worthy if we had that theme song playing over it I no. mean see by the time that giant creature comes along you know he turns into we have the music so by that time we're already <laughs> horrified so that just cements it in oh yeah but the horror movie themes are definitely there it's a horror movie because it makes you think about things that are really disturbing like oh my gosh what if people turn into energy beings and we didn't have our bodies anymore it really makes you think about ridiculous things that could be seen as ridiculous but they aren't in this
2: but as, as all good horror movies the root of it is in tragedy
4: Oh yes!
2: Like you know, every good horror movie is about like a deep sadness, mm-hmm. at the heart of it, and and this and a movie, deep fear, it's, like it's, an
5: existential fear. Yeah,
2: yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and this movie, it's all about how powerless the young kids are,
4: mm-hmm. and
2: how they feel they're doomed. And the trouble is, they all bring about their own doom because they. They have not been told any other destiny other than there's going to be your doom.
3: It's also, it's <laughs> like, uh, yeah, it's like Jeff Goldblum's character. Once again, it's like Jeff Goldblum's character in, in The Fly. I mean, he know and, and just like that, you have uh, Tetsuo. They, they know deep down what's happening to them. And, even, and, oh, I just thought of this. Why that reminds me of that. That one scene to me that left a huge impact is when uh, Tetsuo tries to escape with his girlfriend, uh, Kaori. And that's when oh, the, right. the gang attacks them. That and it so attacks to her, Honestly, and that's I- the hardest scene for me to watch in that whole movie. Oh, that's really hard to watch. I mean, when she—that girl gets hit. I mean, you feel pain. you almost feel that pain i mean you know when
2: that. tetsuo nicks um his his uh, bike
3: the and then the clowns yes. come in and beat them up after that, that though th- the scene yeah. though to me that made a huge impact it was right after that it's when they uh, the other group um kaneda's group their group comes their gang comes to rescue to rescue them and that's when i think tetsuo starts officially having his psychic his mental breakdown and, and to me the moment where the horror starts to come into play is when he starts receiving those forward if you watch closely forward flashes of that mutated monstrosity he becomes mm-hmm. yeah yeah or so like the scene where
5: like his all his organs oh fall, my God, but then the next yeah. cut is him just trying to put them back inside
3: but, but you, there's but nothing the, there that's <sighs> the best that is the best part of that scene because I, see they could have had it to where look oh i'm putting they could have shown it to where it looked like oh there 's an empty chest cavity, and he 's putting that would have been done, but no they show it to where he's it looks like he's crazy because you can't he's just doing the putting his hand slamming his hands against his body looks like he's going crazy that was so effective yeah
2: and the I other thing unless like, the movie
5: Canada's like, like... voice and like the other
3: dude Ooh, and his screaming again that he needs an award for that both actors do in the English and and the Japanese dub
2: I think yeah. another thing is like unless a lesser movie in that scene um, Tetsuo would jump in and he would like his his hand would like send out a blast to Oof. the to the to the clown uh gang and he'd be like what what's happening to me but no like you like you're saying you have the weird flashback and then the next scene he's alone
4: mm-hmm. and there's
2: a tiny tiny moment where he's in bed, he's he's um he's like he's writhing around and he gets up, he sits up in bed and he there's a glass of water Mm. Uh, about twelve inches from his hand. Yes, yes. And it moves ever so slightly, and you're like, "Oh, that's it! And that's the moment when you realize, okay, something's up."
5: Because at this point, he just had a really bad headaches. In yeah, visions. You didn't realize he was getting powers.
2: But but that's where the movie is is remarkable because, mm-hmm. as I said, like it it could have turned into a set piece. Yeah. but it didn't it, it decided okay no let's go the atmospheric route and and yeah you and know you have, it you have it be all about him too. being isolated uh from everything because that's really what tetsuo is he's he's isolate he isolates himself
4: mm-hmm.
2: first of all from the gang he doesn't want to be part of the gang he doesn't want to be bossed around by canada exactly uh, yeah but he isolates himself and the movie, yeah, it goes with that, and it has his um, sort of um, telekinetic like awakening happen when he's completely alone, and, it's, and it is terrifying that scene.
3: Yeah, and, and it's it's interesting because in, t- in keeping with the horror element, there's a movie. It's a lot goofier. It's it's goofy, but it it, it reminded me the serious parts of the movie. At least from what I've seen, reminded me of Akira, and that is a movie called Scanners, which I thought was very stupid when I first saw it. But then I started uh, thinking about the themes, I, and I read it recently, and I, I thought th- it's about—it's basically about people who are used by the military to scan people's minds. These are psychic people, oh. and they have tests done on them. They're lab rats, but they are people. Yeah who have the ability to read minds. And there's a scene in Akira that really reminds me of, of, of the movie Scanners, and that's the part where Tetsuo breaks free of his hospital room, and he literally, <laughs> <laughs> within seconds, blows the doctor's bodies apart.
1: Oh, my God. That like, My jaw dropped. No, th-
3: did. I didn't see that. Ha- I wasn't even – see, here's the funny part. I didn't even see that happening at all when I was watching the movie for the first time. So I'm sitting there – and I, part of me knew it was coming because it's all uh, psychic horror movies. You know someone's going to get blown up. It always happens. But, but anyway, I'm watching this. And when those doctors blew up and the music started, I, I remember. I was sitting there I went, oh! <laughs> and I, yeah, that reminded me of that because you have these people with psychic especially the children who have psychic powers and They're their laughing. yeah and that's the that, that is the worst and the best They're part of children moving. that were
5: rejected by society they were all their parents
3: you would miss what about the scene with the government takes advantage of takashi right the the one boy who tries to escape mm-hmm. you see a flashback of his one of his parents dropping him off to the military laboratory. I'm assuming that's who that is, in a flashback. And then the same thing with Tetsuo,
5: where, you know, he was just being exchanged from one party to the next party because he was unwanted. Yeah. Marginalized people who don't have
3: any power. Just when you thought the movie couldn't get more screwed up, couldn't get any more disturbing or dark or merciless, what happens to Tetsuo's girlfriend? I can't even begin beca- oh, No. I remember part. holding my hands up to my face, and I was going, no. No. Don't you do it. <laughs> don't do it. Next thing I know. And, and here's the worst part. The camera doesn't even pull away. No, I mean, not The, not the, not the not camera's not. like, I'm putting this on. I'm putting this on the on the, on the, on the movie HBO channel. <laughs> and, and, she, the noise. and she pops like a grapefruit. Oh. I'm like, what? <laughs> you no. Know, that was was awful that
1: poor girl and And he's
3: screaming the whole time he's this monstrosity and and making it even worse he feels he says her pain is inside of me and by this point i'm going okay i I had to pause i'm like okay okay i need to absorb what's going on here and it's funny in that scene
5: because the up until this whole point tenso has been resisting kanada as like this kind of big brother figure who wants to save him but at that point like he's so lost that he starts crying to kanada to help him again oh yeah Cause, you know at that point he's his most infantile he turns into a giant infant baby that has no control of his actions and is destroying everything and he's yeah. crying for help you know? and it's really hard to watch oh that's, so- and not- and the-
3: <laughs> that's not just because he's <laughs> terrifying but because- that scene doesn't it last for like 15 minutes or 10 to 15 minutes or something it it around there oh my gosh i don't think it actually does really it seemed long to me. Because <laughs> it, 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 I mean, it's like it's like that final scene. It, it's like a final scene in a horror movie where the person becomes the monster one last time, but it's the most grotesque, monstrous form they can take, and it that it feels like that scene lasts for almost 20 minutes, but it ends up being two minutes for you, really. And that's what it felt like to me. I yeah. thought, that, oh my gosh,
2: that scene. It's, it's a werewolf movie. Oh yeah, really? <laughs> He's a it's
3: werewolf. about yeah, it's it's about that. Oh, it's oh oh it's it's disturbing but it's worth watching. It, it is. It is. It is I,
2: saw it. I I I couldn't help. I don't know if anyone else had this. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't help but think about the recent spate of uh school killings in America as well
4: watching mm. this.
2: Thinking about like what happens when such um un- controllable young angst gets a hold of a weapon.
5: Yes! Yeah. And, and, the, and they're in a society like just doesn't take care of them.
1: Mm-hmm. At all. Yeah, that's the big thing. It's it's they their product of their environment.
5: Yes, absolutely. Like there's, a, there's a quote that um, Takashi says when after <laughs> after all the craziness with the transforming Tetsuo and Kanada's stuck and then Akira blows up and like they're being enveloped by the white light. And then mm-hmm. Taka- Takashi's like, shit, we have to go save Kaneda. And the other kids are like, why? And he's like, it's not his fault. None oh, yeah. of this is his fault. And that's the message. Like, these kids, none of the things that really happened to them are their fault. Yeah,
3: that's (laughs) why, yeah, that's why you can relate to it so much. Yeah, it's because these every character you even at their worst, you sympathize with them. I mean, even the colonel at some point in the movie, he's a jerk, but then he starts talking, and you, you start to agree with what he's saying. Mm-hmm. and you think I shouldn't be agreeing with some of the things he but then you sort of realize okay he's been brought up this way he thinks this way and at some point he does change he does end up helping these kids but he you can relate to everyone in here in some way you can agree with them in some way mm-hmm.
2: or you or maybe true. you that's know yeah yeah that's the benefit of it being a movie that it's kind of like a safe space where you can Like, so, that's become such a fucking loaded term. But you know what I mean? It's like a space (laughs) where you can, like, uh, entertain some ideas and really exercise the limits of your empathy. Because, (laughs) I mean, to be fair to the movie, it it clearly loves, you know, it clearly loves uh, the main characters, particularly Canada. Mm -hmm. But it does also heavily influence... Uh, heavily imply in a few moments, you know that, that he's killed multiple people, multiple mm-hmm. times.
1: Not um, a good
3: person. He's
2: not. Yeah, exactly. It, no, Khan
3: is a shit eater.
2: Yeah, it never. <laughs> he's a
3: little it asshole. Really, no, he's like he's like Malcolm McDowell in Clockwork Orange. I mean, he's the leader of a gang and he's done some bad stuff. It's,
2: yeah. Well, this is this is exactly what I was thinking of when 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 watching uh, the movie again for the second for, for the most recently was like. Yeah, it's it is kind of like Alex from Clockwork Orange. He's the film depicts him being I mean Clockwork Orange, I mean. It depicts him like being a rapist, a murderer, like the worst society has to offer in the first part. Mm-hmm. And then in the second part, he's just like deconstructed back into a child. Mm-hmm. It where he's literally, you know, like being um oh my god, that hilarious scene where he's being like <laughs> Where he's where he's not even lifting his own fork to be fed yeah. and that guy from the government is literally spoon-feeding.
3: Oh, I yeah. thought you were talking about the scene where he's in the movie theatre and his eyelids are pinned back and he's watching that movie. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, I think that, becomes, that comes that comes after the the or, I think, no, I think yeah. I'm pretty sure it does come after the spoon-feeding scene, but it's very similar like sort of um, if not like a dr- traditional character arc, a sort of an, uh, let's say like it's an arc of revealing the character to us so he's shown um you know the the bike gang the kids in in, in akira are shown being murderous literally in the start yeah. of the film oh yeah and then by the end you're just like oh they're just kids
5: yeah i mean i think yeah. that comes from otomo like trying to understand the kids around him in real life being mm-hmm. like you know surrounded like you know there's all these juvenile delinquents running around in japan at that in the 80s causing mm-hmm. a ruckus and just being mm-hmm. mindlessly violent and i feel like he kind of sat down and was like okay the, obviously this is bad and i'm scared of these teenagers but why why are these teenagers doing what they're doing why are they these people and yeah, and,
3: fault. yeah and as you were as um i can't remember if it was you or a uh, Rachel or Dan who pointed this out earlier, but um, we were talking about how uh, Tetsuo does act. One, one, one thing, I, I was it was a complaint I had about the film. When I first, now, I'm not going to lie. When I first saw this movie, I wasn't a huge fan of it. It took mm-hmm. me a couple more views of clips and reading more about it to have a, a big respect for it and love it like I do. One of the things that was one of my original complaints was I thought some of the, the child characters were too whiny. And, yeah, they're very annoying. <laughs> but then I started thinking about, well, okay, how would kids, and, and even more so, how would really young teenagers handle seeing murder, being in a gang, trying to act like adults when they're, they're light years away from, from 30 years old? So, so I mean, and, and then you get to see them and you think, yeah, I can, because I've known young teenagers, I was a young teenager, and I'm looking at this, like, yeah, yeah, you know what? This actually does seem like they would be whiny, they would be annoying, they would be crazy, they would be killing, they would be tearing each other apart just like this. And so I think in a way, even though they're over exaggerated, I think the author um, has definitely captured that, that the brutal nature that kids can have that's something like that novel lord of the flies where the kids are on an island alone
4: mm-hmm.
3: and they have no adults around and they, they have to fend for themselves and they do kill each other there's murder there's violence and genocide in this in the on the island in this case in occupants on the streets and so i think i think he's captured that insane side of kids like you know brad bird who wrote the iron giant he writes great kids but oh, he, yes had, he, he he writes some of the best children like a like um Dash from the Incredibles Hogarth from the Iron Giant I mean, he, even some of the things he wrote for the Simpsons too so some of the things the kids on that show say I mean great kid characters and here at first I thought okay now I can't then when I thought of my mom not likable at all no and here's the thing if teenagers had to live under those circumstances they would be unlikable yeah <laughs> they would be hated. But but here's the problem: they, they they want to they would want to be hated because they're survivors. Here's the, like it's almost like okay, kill or be killed. So okay, oh, they yeah. know no one likes them. But they don't care. They have they to live. live. They have to they survive. They're the
5: dregs of society. They're just trying
3: to get by and ride cool bikes. <laughs> but yeah, they don't care. They just want to look cool on those bikes, and that's what teenage boys would be like.
1: In a society that's already coming apart at the seams, where you have the government and you know people resisting the government, like they, there's like a rebel organization or group trying to sabotage them, and then you have a cult that worships Akira, like this. Yeah, this- but- <laughs> Tokyo is falling apart, and so these kids are trying to eke out whatever kind of semblance of identity that they can, like we were discussing earlier. So that's really, again, the violence and the aggression is really just a up- product of the fact that they live in a very self-destructive
3: world and a very selfish world too even the adults Mm -hmm. in this world are selfish they don't care about those even though they look like they care about the three psychic children no they claimed them as property when that boy tried to escape they shot the guy who helped him and they took him right back like a stray dog to the pound Mm -hmm. oh yeah life is
2: so cheap like they will kill whoever just to make a point
3: yeah and they slam those teens' heads on the sidewalk when they fir- the military first lands to get the boy, Takashi. I mean, they, they slam their heads down right on the concrete. These are 14-, 15-year-old kids, and they're throwing them down on the concrete like, like linebackers, and it's it's, it's disturbing. You can or see like how- Nezu, that
5: politician who was like the under- the mole for the resistance. Oh, <laughs> that guy! And he didn't, he didn't care about the resistance. He just wanted to edge out what you know. He was just playing the field and just wanted to like have the power and the money. A- Very
3: satisfying death. I mean, that's up in Godfather <laughs> levels, if you ask me.
2: He, he should have gotten a, like a bet suitcase if he was. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah.
5: Honestly, he uh, should have planned things better. Yeah, yeah, yeah really. I mean,
0: <laughs> he has got an ex- excellent voice actor in the new dub, though. Yes, um, he
1: does. I do like his actor for sure, uh, but no. the character itself is really just sleazy and just like I was not surprised how his he name died. Means rat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. Nezu. Rat. Yes, rat.
5: Um, and he
0: does look like one as well. <laughs>
4: yes, do. he does. <laughs> yeah, I, that's
0: I, very... I,
5: I do think it's interesting that this movie tends to kind of side a little bit more towards the the military side of government. Yeah. As the Colonel is the sympathetic authority figure here. Whereas the, the, um, the parliament is shown as a, as a clown college. Like they're just a Pretty bunch gosh. of leaders who <laughs> only care about themselves. You know, where it's, it's almost beat, but- like the democratic system is almost kind of shown as like, just this bureaucracy in it for the monetary gain
4: mm-hmm. whereas
5: the military guy who's literally stages a coup and instills martial law at the end comes out like the hero
1: yeah and it, i found that really fascinating in terms of the fact that cuz i really thought that they were going to play him up to be like the primary antagonist and he does serve as an antagonist to tetsuo for a good long while in terms of making you know the fact that those two are constantly going at it Um, you know, him throwing the military at Tetsuo and Tetsuo being like, no, F that and just keep going. But yeah, I I was really surprised that of all the characters that died in this movie, he was one of the few that made it out okay, just because even though I know it's established that he doesn't really truly care about the, um, the kids the psychic kids i don't know i feel like he does though like he yeah
4: he, like
5: i
1: kept going back and forth between does he, he or like a fun he thing does like
5: yeah. he, he does
4: yeah he does care be, about be them and famous. the other kids
5: care about him too that's why yeah. they save him, they I, agree. him yeah, as... I
3: agree with you nina all the way on that one i mean when we were ta- i was mentioning that uh, the military doesn't have any sympathy i think out of all the characters though um yeah that's a correction i think the colonel does I think he's the only one who does. He definitely has sympathy for these kids. He, he doesn't view them as experiments. He knows these are children with, with souls, with human souls here, and they're not just lab rats. Yeah.
2: He has a kind of sympathy, but he's also the only one who has any idea of the power that he's, yeah. pre- he's trying to prevent. And uh, I think what is not, or at least in my mind, is like an atypical. Uh, depiction of the military man in um, in in cinema. At least mm, mm-hmm. he's trying to prevent oh, yes. destruction. He's not yeah. going for like glory. Uh, it's quite the opposite.
3: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Unlike a uh, John Chichiro's character from the first Transformers movie. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. actually what's
3: going on? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And-
5: He's shown as the one who's actually trying to save the people, mm-hmm. whereas even though he doesn't really
1: to... care about the city. Yeah, nope. <laughs> to heck with the city.
2: <laughs> but, this, but, this, but the city is kind of depicted throughout as like this sort of strange, like it's already lost. Like oh, escape
3: huh. from it's like escape from New York. It's I, think just, this just it, is gone. I think he yeah. called like
5: over-ripened fruit.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah
4: rotting
5: time. like an over-ripened fruit. Yeah, where it's just too much decadence, too much wealth, that it kind of goes back around itself and creates a worse state of living.
0: Not that we see a lot of that, though.
5: (laughs) (laughs) We see it in the background. There's a lot of just little background stories of Mm. just like... Sleazy characters walking around, or just like all the random terrorist attacks that well, just it's keep like, happening the, with no explanation.
3: It's like the world of Blade Runner. I mean, in that movie, you can see where the wealthy live, but we never, the only time we get to see where the wealthy live is when we're looking at the villains, because most yeah. of the time you're in a shadowy, rainy, dark, violent, gritty, unpleasant, yet still very colorful city. Oh, yeah,
2: they never show the off world colony. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. And an,
3: another thing I, I just thought of this guy, something I love about the movie is the title. And I don't know if all the, everyone well, all, besides us, of course, who's seen the movie, I don't know if many of them understand that, but something I really love is the title because yeah. so many times, like with novels, you have all these different stories where the main character, their, their name is in the title somewhere. Something I love is how the biggest plot point the biggest driving force behind the movie is the title and that's that's Akira who is the um who is, who is well the psychic who was at the military's lab and that that's very interesting to me what is it? and
0: i mean is the it- fact that
3: the movie is just
5: called akira which in japan is a very common name
0: it's like yeah. big
5: or something <laughs> yeah. you know it's like can you like imagine like one of the movie posters is the famous one of kanada walking towards the bike and the other one is just a nuclear explosion with the word akira on it i love that one being in japan and just like walking down the street and seeing this movie poster and it's just like the most common name ever transposed on the most destructive (laughs) explosion and And that's something that's not always like translated like when like for like english speakers is because like we when we think of akira the first thing we think of is probably this movie but we don't realize like how many people are named akira and like how much of that's just like a really common name yeah the movie it's treated like this like Mystical, magical thing, and like how strange that is. Like,
4: mm-hmm.
5: you know, yes. When where tetsuo's like, I don't know who that is. Why is this name keep coming up in my head? Like, I probably know like ten Akidas. Who are you talking about?
3: <laughs> Which Akira are we referring? Are we referring to? <laughs> Which actually, yeah, you you could see that actually. It, that's very. That's a, actually. I just thought of this. Uh, the fact that it is such a common name can show how. The, when he says humans are in a next stage of evolution, perhaps, or they all join together and are all the same. When you say that akuta is a name that all these people have, it's one. It's something that everybody recognizes immediately. Everybody mm-hmm. can can understand it, even even uh, English speakers who don't understand the meaning of the name. Know that's a, might know that's a common name. So the the fact that it is so common. Might be the reason he chose it because of the fact that everyone in the story might share that common fate. I don't know. That's
2: just a oh, thought. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, definitely that's definitely that's, right? that's definitely there. That. It's it's like it, it, it's like the you know the um the, the the bike gang in the movie. They're the Bilbo Baggins of the story. They're not they're not in. They don't know anything about the larger mechanizations of, you know, uh, the destruction that. Uh, you know befell them before and is about to return they're just they're just in the wrong place at the wrong time Mm
5: -hmm. and they have no they have no way to even understand how they fit into everything like they're just kind of acting as part of this history that they have no knowledge of they're
2: thrown into the middle of it and it's kind of it's kind of saying like hey this could be any of us
5: yeah and if, if you don't know your history if you don't know where all this stuff comes from it's just going to keep happening over and over and over again. How many times is Tokyo going to blow up? Who knows? Yeah. Oh that's yeah.
2: Defi- yeah. That's, that's definitely, yeah. One of the biggest, um, yeah. themes of the movie is something.
3: The, yeah. Something I, I think I repetition. All, yeah. And, and related to that, uh, that building dread, what I really like is how they don't reveal who or what Okuda is at first, because when they go down in the, the, the tunnels in the military base, where the, the Arctic, that, that, that cold, the, I don't want to the call Olympic it Olympic Stadium. Yeah, of all places. That's a very interesting. The symbol when they, of globalized culture. Exactly, and they're keeping a bioweapon under there, or a psychic weapon. But what's really interesting is you don't know if Akira is the name of the weapon. You don't know if it's the name of the military plan. You don't know if it's the scientist who made the plan they named it after. You don't know if it's the, a person. You don't know who or what Akira is. So when you hear what this name is, what this name belongs to, or who this name belongs to, I think it really it, it it comes as a it doesn't necessarily come as a big surprise, but it, it's a definitely a aha, I get it now moment. Yeah.
0: One of the big differences between the manga and the anime is that it, Akira is not dead at the start of the manga. This no. or, or well, I don't I, I say. Having not read the first half of the manga, um, no, it's- <laughs> but, but that's one of the thing, one of the um, like twists they made on it because Akira is a character in the manga and is is worshipped by a culty thing, and uh, one of the um, like the there's this um, lady, crazy mystical lady who's like one of the um, it's a really big part of the manga, and she basically just has this tiny role of appearing like a crazy person with crazy oh is that old
1: lady oh the old
0: yeah. lady in the
4: movie oh yeah she's, yeah, she's, she's got like a... two
0: cameos like two roles she crops up at one point looking like a crazy person then falls off a bridge that's it that's she's like not... one of the main characters in the in the um... it,
2: that does seem like she was you know if you're if you're a fan of the comic it probably seems like a wasted cameo but yeah in terms of like movie making that's really good. I mean, like, you, you see her. The second you see her, you know exactly who she is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know exactly what sort of person she is. And you probably have an idea of the character type if you don't get, you know, every single part of her backstory.
5: Yeah. And and it's just, like, a matter of, you know, the the story, the manga is just too dense. There just wasn't time to go oh, into, like, yeah. the culture of, of cults and like you know all that you
2: get it you get it the instant the instant you see those um that old guy like dressed in traditional uh you know like sort Mm -hmm. of i guess like religious sort of garb with the with the bells Mm -hmm. you're like oh okay i get this I, i i kind of i have a um i have like an equivalent sort of you know uh um you know, like you connect the dots, and you're like, oh, okay, that's like a guy in New York wandering around with a sandwich, uh, you know, sign that says, "The end is night. It's, it's the same kind of thing. It's it's
1: Rorschach from uh, from Watchmen. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh my <Yeah>. gosh.
1: <laughs> but yeah, like what
5: Chris was saying in the manga, that that's the the crazy thing about the in tw- the twist in this movie is, you know, they they Tetsu finally goes and he unwakes akira and we think it's going to be like a dude but it's just his remains but in the manga actually he's completely fine he's a complete person and then he, he wants
2: to mcdonald's like himself. right away he's like i've been in there for years
1: <laughs> what's <laughs> that one scene from um i'm sorry i just got a flashback from like star um star versus the forces of evil and there's this one character who's like a quote-unquote evil character that was locked away basically in this like chamber and like across the way was this vending machine and the minute she's like let out she's like please get me B before they need that <laughs> <laughs> well, he's, like
5: he was like cryogenically frozen and like i guess his his personality disappeared because his powers just like overtook him so in the manga he becomes like a pseudo like government leader and tetsuo's actually like the It's very different, basically. Wow. I mean, this is, I thought you were talking about a different story from Homo. Oh, my goodness. It kind of is a different story, but it ends the same way. Yeah. It kind of comes together in the same way where, you know, Tetsuo gets out of control. The kids are like, okay, we have to awaken Akira. I mean, at this point, Akira's already around, but like, we have to, like, team up with Akira and stop Tetsuo. And basically, what they do is they create another universe. Like, they make a singularity and they give birth to a new universe and they just kind of like suck him in and stuff Tetsuo in there. Yeah, and all of the kids go in there to kind of like leave the world and just be like, you know, the world needs to re. It's like a new world in two senses. Like, they literally create like a new world, but also they like change the world that we've known so far by like just getting rid of all the telekinetic people. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And that's what Kanada's like, floating around in and is like, oh, Tetsuo was really sad. I didn't know that. (laughs) Um, And all this stuff happening. And then they, like, expel him. Like, because, like, one thing when I first watched the movie that, like, I was kind of upset with is, like, the last line. And I was like, I don't know what that means. Yeah, okay, I'm not the only one. Like, what the heck does that mean?
2: What's the last line again?
5: I am Tetsuo. Okay. Um... And apparently it's just that, like, now that he's in this new world, he can, like, actually be in control of not only his powers, but of his identity. Mm -hmm. Because he's kind of free of
3: the... The, It makes you wonder if Tetsuo is actually the monolith from 2001, A Space Odyssey.
5: (laughs) (laughs) honestly like that's kind of what happens
3: and that's why he blows the eardrums out of those astronauts in the opening shot because he's just so sick and tired he's like why am i a black (laughs) (laughs) i'm just going crazy on that one but it's it's, a
1: funny
3: theory film theory that (laughs) but i i i am really hoping and here's here's the thing i'm not against I'm not always against live-action remakes. I, I might actually be one of the 1-2% who wasn't entirely irritated by the live-action version of Ghost in the Shell, despite certain casting choices.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: There are things in it that are good. The sets are good, but uh, it's too rushed. But yeah. it wasn't the worst. I don't like it when they try to adapt anime into live-action. Dragon Ball Z is horrible. But anyway... Um, just, we, do, we do not, not see no. Of that. We do not speak of the movie that shall not be named. We put it there with Lord Voldemort. Oh, oh never mind. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, according to what I'm seeing here, and it, it looks like this came out on Forbes uh, sometime. Or excuse me, yeah, Forbes. Uh, actually, two days ago, there's a director, Tyke I'm saying Taika his, Waititi. That's Taika his, Waititi. his name. He's still trying to get his head around adapting Akira into a live-action movie.
0: If anyone I mean, do look, it. It's, the
3: live-action movie's big. the
0: only person I would accept. Yeah. Well, no, then I'm, I'm hoping,
3: I'm hoping that Mr. YTT can do it right because he, he seems to me from the production art. Uh, there is some production art. I don't know if this is for the live-action movie, but if this is, he's definitely getting that feel right pretty early on. I mean, he, he, he he's. <laughs> but, I do, but,
2: I'd be careful. I'd be careful with that because a lot of those yeah. articles just use generic.
3: Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't believe any of that. I don't believe any of it until I see it on the, well, on the (laughs) news.
5: This movie's been development hell for literally decades, but the one thing that taika has in his favor is that unlike everyone else who watched who wanted to direct the movie who was like yeah like i saw it like in my college dorm room and it was so cool and i want to make the movie he was like yeah you know like i I read the manga and i think it's a really fascinating story that's still relevant i want to actually cast asian actors to play in it and it's like wow way to do like yeah do
3: a minimum effort here i I remember it's funny when i saw um the the uh adaptation that Sean Hoppy named Uh, for the first time, I saw. I was saying, "Okay, where's Goku?" And I kept watching. I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> hold it, that's not Goku. Okay, that doesn't even look. That that couldn't even pass as uh, Krillin. Okay, that I mean, that that, that is not a Goku." <laughs> That couldn't, even, that couldn't even pass as his son, Gohan. Okay, that is not Goku. <laughs> or Goten, for that matter. Oh, no. And uh, the only good thing, if there is anything in that movie, was the makeup job on Piccolo. But they got it all wrong with the story. Piccolo is one of the best villains I've ever seen. Really great villain. And I am so frightened of, the, of, the, of an Akira live-action remake just because... Anime hasn't been adapted. Have you seen the trailer? It's for uh, what's it called? Um, it's for Battle Angel Alita. We have uh-huh.
1: dis- we have seen it. We discussed it previously on some of yeah. our episodes, and it's we yeah we've um the I, the general consensus is we are excited due to the fact that the environments and everything. But yeah, mm-hmm. we we all saw the elephant in the room in terms oh, yes. of the <laughs> I- and Alita's animation. There
2: it's- is a live action Akira. It's not very good. It's called Chronicle.":
3: Oh yeah, oh, it, was written, yeah. It, was
2: by, it was written by Max Landis. Um, I can't remember who directed it, um, and it's the latter half of the movie is basically akira in terms of like two friends, two best friends, uh, you know, one of them goes mad with you know, literally goes mad with power. I think they become like superheroes or something.
4: And the other one yep.
2: is tasked with like stopping his friend from destroying the city.
3: Is that the found uh, footage movie? Yeah. Yeah. Yes.
0: No, no wait. Oh, the no the live action Akira came out this year in cinemas. It was called Ready Player One. <laughs>
3: oh, hey, I haven't seen that yet.
0: It's got the bike in it. It's got the bike in it.
3: Oh, it does. That's right. I've seen it before. Oh my gosh! Was, I thought I, I saw the motorcycle, and I thought that looks so familiar. <laughs>
4: Uh, it's,
0: oh my gosh! It's
5: <laughs> my only thing with an Akira live action movie is I feel like it'll have the same problems that the original movie had, where it was like kind true. of dense, crazy pacing. And I feel like you know, if it's live action, you're not going to be able to make it the same spectacle as like an animated movie. So you should play to more of the plot.
2: And make well, this is the thing. I, show, think, I think I think better. I, than a movie that's that. true. If Taika Waititi was going to do it, and I'm hopeful that he could, he would focus on the characters. I remember because he he made um, Thor Ragnarok. That's his most recent
4: movie. Yes.
2: And there's this great interview with him where he was basically saying, oh yeah, I was talking to Marvel about making this movie and my conversation with them was basically, I'll look after the characters. You just let me know when you need an explosion and I'll write one (laughs) in somehow. Um, and
5: i feel like if he did like a netflix show or like an hbo show or something mm -hmm, it could mm -hmm. like really adapt the source material he could like really like have this cast of kids and we could have the time to like really grow to love them and like watch Uh, struggles and and have more space to breathe with all the political nonsense and everything TV's
2: more open to anti-heroes as well
3: oh yes What about one of my favorite series, Supernatural, the series Supernatural? I mean, imagine if that had just been a movie or, or two or three movies. I mean, it's run for, what, 12 seasons, 10 seasons? Yeah. We've come to love the characters, know exactly who's who. We've grown attached, and I think sometimes TV series, in some ways, like regarding plot and line and characters can be superior to movies if, if you have an epic story that requires this long journey now the lord of the rings movies got it right they were long movies but they did get that whole feeling D- peter jackson succeeded with those movies yeah, but that's
5: yeah it's like if you're gonna make a live action Acuta you'd have to like make more than one yes <laughs> like i don't want to watch I don't. I don't want it, to watch another movie trilogy. I really.
0: They don't. were talking about doing it as two. At one point, it was going to be a 2 parter One of the one of the many projects that fell apart. I
2: remember. There was remember going to be
0: two parters. Yeah. It was going to be new, Neo Man- Manhattan. It was going to be. What? What? Uh, I think at one point they was they were talking about casting Kristen Kristen, Kristen Stewart oh, in it, oh. but the um. A few years ago, there was actually speculation there might be a TV anime, adaptation, as in an animated TV adaptation, which guess, coming um, from coming from the manga, you know, uh, more.
5: Yeah, because yeah, like that's the only cause, you know it's such I'd an iconic. That. Like, why adapt it? Unless you're going to do something different. And the most I agree. Funny. Like, like, but, like the, the Disney
3: story. Because no about- one's done that before. Hey, hey, can we say the Disney remakes? I don't want a shot for shot reshot of a cartoon. I mean, if you're going to do a remake, do everything new. You know, that's the point of a remake. Not to repeat something, but to remake it in a way you would like to have it done.
2: Yeah. I. Th- th- it was literally today I saw a tweet. Um, and it said, you know, it's it's the butterfly meme that's going around at the moment. I love that meme, right? The guy, you know, there is this a <laughs> yeah. pigeon? But and it's um, above the butterfly. It says Akira, Godzilla, and other Japanese movies to do with the, you know, the effect that the atomic bomb had had on the country. And the guy is Hollywood. <laughs> oh. And the caption is, "Can we Americanize this?" <laughs> <laughs>
4: Well, and hey, you know I what? I that's
2: the crux of like why the Kira adaptation will either never work or would only work if you adapted it, you know, beyond the point where it was the Kira.
3: And exactly, that is, and hey, you know what? They tried doing it, but that's the reason that the what was it, the Netflix series version of Death Note didn't work.
0: Yeah, there was, there well, was I there, feel like. So.
5: The Death Note of all things, I feel like the Death Note thing could have worked. Oh yes. It could have been brilliant. Even if if it was in America, because the idea of like a Death Note, you know, there are some distinctly Japanese things going on in that show, but like you know, it's kind of a universal idea. It could have
3: but they just didn't care. But I will say this. There is one good thing in that series, one really great thing about the Death Note remake. That was casting Willem Dafoe as yeah. Ryu. Hey, that was the eh. end. The oh my movie. gosh. When he yeah. opened when I heard Willem Dafoe's voice, I pointed at the screen and I went, Yes. <laughs> Even though yeah, they made him the the for some
4: friend. reason.
3: Yeah, why did they do that? I thought he was supposed to be like he's almost like the I don't want to say mentor or advisor, but he kind of, yeah, he's an advisor. He's an annoying sidekick. He's a comic relief, but then he, at the same time, he can also be very insightful. So he's a really multidimensional complex character. I, just,
5: I don't know. I feel like the people who, who get behind these Hollywood anime <laughs> projects, they're just kind of, they, I don't necessarily feel like they don't understand the thing that they're adapting and why no. it works. To be fair to them, I think they,
2: I think the director on Death Note did understand what, and I believe him when he said he was a fan of the, of the comic and everything the trouble is is that when you adapt something and you suddenly have all these other
4: yeah. voices
2: involved who are yeah. funding the project mm-hmm. and might not understand it they will have ans- they'll have questions like like you're saying like oh, exactly this-, this death god thing like why is that not the- a death god that sounds awful villainous to me and mm-hmm. because there's no other um like comparison like to go well he's kind of the villain but he's He's kind of his best friend as well. He's kind of the animal. He's really just
5: oh, yeah. a catalyst for the action and just an
3: observer figure. Oh, and I
1: forgot the setting of this film is 2019. Uh, of yeah. is and supposedly uh, next year.
3: aren't the Olympics going to take place yeah. in oh, yeah. Japan? It's the 2020. 2020- yeah. Oh, oh <laughs> The
5: 2020 Tokyo Summer Olympic Games was a was a plot point in the original Akira and is a real thing that's happening. You yeah. think they did that on purpose? I don't know. I mean, it's 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 also kind of funny. One opening
0: ceremony and a half,
5: giant Olympic...
0: baby. <laughs> oh, if they did that, <laughs> that I would be, crazy. be happy.
3: Oh my gosh, you mean like with uh, either a props or a hologram? That would be cool. Oh, yeah,
4: in
2: in, in <laughs> ca- old like Kabuki style, like uh, with streamers and I don't know.
4: Yeah. it's funny, that would be like, wonderful.
5: In the real world, like the real Tokyo is not like the the, there's a lot of protests surrounding like the the Olympics and like Mm -hmm. stadium in particular is like this focal point. And um, in Akita it was the same thing, like all this bad shit happened in the stadium and everybody was like, couldn't give a crap about the Olympics because it was too expensive. And that's actually how it is right now it's very expensive and a lot of the tokyo citizens are like why are we building this big expensive stadium we can't afford that we're never going to use
0: and yeah we but we did that that's we, the, yeah we did we, everyone complained every, everyone in britain was convinced the olympics was going to be disaster it was going to be <laughs> that's miserable. what happens
5: every time the olympics comes anywhere that's why Akita is stored underneath the olympic stadium it's this and, symbol of like the negative side of globalism.
0: Then it happened and we all loved it and we wanted it to never stop. We were like, this is the best thing ever. And then when it stopped, you were We're like, why did we pay
5: all this tax money?
2: We were so so used to, like, whenever something big happens, it's like, like, don't get too excited because it's probably going to be shit. And it actually, like, it was the opening ceremony. We were just like, yeah, this is going to be terrible. And then when it wasn't terrible... There was this strange feeling, like across the entire country, of like not immediately going. This is amazing. but just like, what do we do? This is actually pretty good.
0: <laughs>
2: we didn't know how to react. It
0: might like, actually work.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, Kira, is there anything else that people know? We have, yeah.
1: Like anyone else, has there any final thoughts that they want to? share or bring up because I think we've we've really covered quite a bit and we were almost I believe I believe we've been talking about this for about two hours so
2: (laughs) that's Uh, almost the entire running time
1: yeah yeah Yeah. so um and if anyone's got any last thoughts um go ahead and raise your hand but other than that we're gonna start winding down Yeah, I mean
5: I have lots of trivia but like that's not important (laughs) oh no (laughs) I same here (laughs)
1: I mean, if we want to share said trivia, um, be sure to like send it. We'll make sure to include that in the show notes so people have that to look at. Um, I think that would be really a lot of fun because if uh, people who are coming into this podcast who may have had you know known relative you know some about Akira, maybe had seen it but not really had a chance to dive into it, I uh, want to make sure that information is available um, for them. But yeah, it's it was a real trip getting to experience this film for the first time, and I really appreciate. Um, all all of us meeting to talk about it because I think I now know a lot more than I did before. After even after watching the film, and I'm eager to learn more. As I said, I'm still waiting on that delivery for the box set, and the DVD, and the you're, first. I, you're making
3: you're making me want to order it now. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> I did not waste
1: any time. Like even though I have access to watch the film over and over again on um, on Funimation, at the same time, like I. Something that I've noticed a lot more recently um, with a lot of the new films that I've seen since I've, like I, I said before, since I started really doing a lot for this website, I really want to, you know, speaking with you guys, I want to do that research. I want to learn the behind the scenes stuff about what makes these movies tick, about what brought them to life. And that basically this kind of impulse to just immediately want to have my own copy, not just as a collector's item, but also just to have that, you know, those uh, special bonus features where they will talk about the production and there's a great
2: making it. of is yeah, there the, yeah
0: on the oh, definitely, it was definitely on the blu-ray that I had It was. Um, I expect it's probably it's called production report and it goes way back he, you used to be able it was like before there was DVD special features mm-hmm. they sold a video double set with Akira and Akira production report
2: no way Yeah, it was it was it was like a separate release. That's so cool. Mm, That's so cool. But it it, but it yeah that in itself is kind of interesting because it's like a time capsule of, you know, what were the big advances in technology then, for like you know technically making a movie.
5: And like for me, even just being able to like watch something screen like screen by screen, you know, that is something you can't really do digitally. But with a DVD, you can, like, go, you know, literally
3: second by second and see. It's a, it's a time capsule itself. I mean, especially if you wait. So It's always fun to wait a year. Like, when you watch holiday movies or when you watch one movie once a year, you'll see things that you have not seen before sometimes, or you'll relive the experience again. And it's really fun. The main message that I took away from, at least from how
1: the way the film ended, and I think this is a good way to end on our episode today, is the fact that um, – while this movie end does end with um another big just wave of destruction coming over the city, the city is completely and utterly destroyed. There are those survivors and while the future is bleak, I mean in terms of the fact that everything is now that they knew is now gone, they still pick themselves back up and yep continue on with their lives regardless of what that might mean in the future if it's a bright future or if it's not it doesn't matter they're still getting up and they're trying again they're they're can, can keep living mm-hmm. which is a very very poignant message even with all the confusion that I had with the certain points of the film I like that that was the ending that it went with and it, I don't know I feel like watching this movie was kind of like a rite of passage for me as a, as a fan of animation you know so I'm super glad I was able to a watch it and b be able to
3: share and talk about it with you guys.
1: Oh.
5: Yeah, I'm we we yeah, got to talk about it together. Yeah, <laughs> it,
3: this was absolutely this was so fantastic. I mean, it, even during the conversation, I had some ideas of what I was going to talk about and what we were all going to talk about. But we started going into some details. I never, we never, I'm sure we never even planned for some of these details. it
2: always happens that way, yeah.
3: But that's what's so great about discussing these movies, because you can, you learn things you maybe, you never even thought of before.
4: Mm Mm-hmm,
1: yeah. And that's that's definitely one of the experiences, like, I want to definitely, or when we want to keep promoting with this podcast, that's one of the reasons why we started in the first place, if I may get a little nostalgic here, is just so that when we see new animation come out, regardless of who it, you know, it's, target audience is supposed to be whether it is a fam- a family film if it is a film geared more toward an older audience or not we you know the ability to be able to look at the film as an animated you know as an animation and break and pick apart like the things that it's really strong with what its focus is and then parts that it, you know maybe it could have been a little you know things to critique it and say oh this was really fascinating or this is the background of the film like that's definitely something or even like when not just a film but like a television series or a short film or you know whatever cuz that's how the that's how the art form continues to grow is when we see what has come what has been made appreciating it for what it is and what it can continue to be so that's why even at as we sit as 100 episodes we are far from done we are going to keep bringing you new episodes of stuff that we either we want to, you know, or look something we really want to talk about and discuss because we feel it's worth being talked about or even stuff, you know, that out of people who are been our loyal listeners or even people who are new to coming onto this podcast to share their thoughts, share their passions and what, you know, specific animated shows, movies that they would like us to share our thoughts on. Cause as long as we can keep this discussion going, the more we can learn.
0: Yeah. We, we obviously thank you all for listening for, well, as many episodes as you have, I don't know. <laughs> if anyone has listened to all hundred, well done you! Wow, yes. that's amazing! Yeah, uh, wow! I would say, um, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I know our episodes have been a bit less frequent recently, but that's basically we've been trying to work our way up to this one, and we wanted to make sure that we did it right, and uh, we had the the poll whatever, and everything, and try to get everyone together. we finally did it (laughs) we've had a lot a lot in the way people have been ill some people still are (laughs) Um, you might (laughs) hear and uh, other things have happened technical problems and other things and yeah, Yvonne, unfortunately can't be with us because, well, well, we say unfortunately, she's off gallivanting in Cannes being awesome, so yeah. that's... Uh, she's good. having a time, and we that say
1: really good, cool good good, good job.
0: Currently at a Polish, par- Polish party, or something, or the Poland party, whatever that is, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> is it the Polish government? I don't know. Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> whatever she's doing, she's having a good time, and I say thumbs up.
0: Yeah. And, good job. We, to Yvonne. Yvonne, we love you, Yvonne.
1: Yvonne, Yvonne deserves to have a great time because the work she does with Animation Nights New York, just as Nina can testify with all the great stuff that she does for Animation Nights New York, is some is um, awe inspiring. And she, you know, as as much as I know she she enjoys her work, I think it's she just as equally deserves to enjoy some time off
5: <laughs>
4: and
0: just
1: have some fun. For and sure, she was the hardest working person that
5: I know. <laughs> and, oh yeah.
0: It's been awesome to sort of 'cause that's sort of come up alongside the podcast like if if you have been listening to it the whole time, like basically Yvonne came up with the idea uh, sort of around the time we started the podcast and it came to fruition, and then we've just been watching it go from one thing to the next to then like the best of fest and now she's off in can, so it's been quite quite inspirational to watch. Mm-hmm. And uh, here, here. seeing is, I I came up with the name for it. I feel like I'm kind of in can as well.
1: Oh, <laughs> that works. You're right? there in spirit. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so thank uh, you everybody for joining us.
1: Yeah, it was a great, 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 great conversation. Thanks to everyone here. Um, you know, Chris, as always, thank you for co-hosting. Allie, thank you for coming on for the podcast for the first time. We'd be more than happy to have you on for another episode. So be sure to let us know when
3: you're available for that again.
1: We'd love to Wonder,
3: have you. Wonderful to be here. You can guarantee I will be here for the next one. Woohoo! Alright,
1: let me know what our next episode is because it might have something to do with the movie that came out earlier this month. But I will Uh-oh. say no more. Uh oh. Um, and of course, Dan, Nina. As always, every single conversation we have with you guys has been just absolute gem. So thank you once again for, I know even your oh, schedules geez. have been, you mm-hmm. know, you've been moving to different places, you know, jobs have been changing, but even despite all that chaos, I'm really glad that we have a chance to, to talk with you guys. Oh, thank you.
2: Yeah, it's lovely. It's lovely for the chaos to stop and talk <laughs> for sure. about my favorite things, my favorite people.
4: Oh. oh,
2: that, was oh. Too much. Too
4: much. that was a bit too much no no it's okay <laughs> thank you
1: all right well I think it's about time for us to wrap up a again, yeah as Chris said thank you so much for joining us for this episode we hope you enjoyed it I know we certainly did um if you want to uh if, you know after listening to this if you want to go back and listen to some of our other podcast episodes um, we have them all listed on the website. They are also on, uh, iTunes, podcast.com, and Stitcher. I highly recommend some of the episodes that we have where we have, uh, guest interviews. Uh, specifically, um, some very cool people. Uh, Ed Hooks was a great conversation or a great guest on our show. Um, gosh, uh, Mark Osborne. Yeah, uh, Mark, I like, like, that's the next person name I was trying to like. Mark freaking Osborne. We got to talk about the little prince with him. And that was, again, one of the best. One of the one of my favorite episodes that we did, um, David Lally, where we got to talk to him about working in Pixar. Oh my, just there's there's too many to name, and definitely I refer to any of those episodes. Um, we'll leave the links in the show notes if you want to just go directly to one of those because they are just wonderful. Um, and even some of our other guests, um, uh, when we were talking about the early uh, series that's on the uh, internet, um, the Sam Sweet Milk, also that was oh, a great time
2: with Jason Lee Wade.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love, that was a great time. So I'll leave the link to that too. Um, yeah. And if you want to uh, stay up to date with what's going on in the website, we're always covering news reviews or just blog posts about animation on the website. We'll um, you'll get updates of when those go up on our social media feeds. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, uh, and Pinterest. I believe that's everything. I think I might have, for the first time in the history of this podcast, gotten them all right in the first go. So, snap for that. Um.
0: I, I would be able to vouch for that if sorry if I hadn't kind of drifted off for a second. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, that's all right. I, I was no, least, okay. that's terrible.
1: That's perfectly fine. Um, um. And as always, if you want to continue supporting the website and what we do, this podcast and the website. Um, we will leave a link to the Patreon page as well as, uh, the coffee page where if you just want to buy us a virtual cup of coffee, we would love that. And even, like I said, if you want to give your suggestions for, um, podcast episodes that we, you'd like us to see us do in the future, uh, send us an email at podcast.podcast.animationforadults.com. And as always, I got to give that shout out to Animation Nights New York. We will leave a link to the main web page for animation X New York. So you can find out what it is. If you don't really already know what it is. And um, if you ever want to go see an event on um, one of the screen, monthly screenings, I highly recommend doing so. And if you are a filmmaker or an anima- animator who wants to submit an animated film or animated short film, they have a film freeway submission uh, link right there on the webpage. So definitely submit your short film. If you want to share it with the world and um, in terms of each of us individually, social media, in terms of where to follow us, uh, Chris, where can we find you?
0: Uh, Mr. Christor on Twitter.
1: Very good. Uh, Dan, how about you?
0: I am at Hamu on Twitter.
1: Nina? I am at Ninianichi on Twitter. And Ali, I know you shared your, a little bit of your social media feed in the beginning of this episode in your introduction, but if you mind repeating that once more for our listeners. Absolutely. It's at Forever Monet on Twitter,
3: DeviantArt, and Instagram.
1: Excellent. Okay, and if, need a, if you would like to follow me, um, I am mainly on Twitter at fail To ninja once again, everyone, thank you so much. We had a blast. You know, if you haven't seen Akira, if you listened to this whole thing and you haven't seen Akira,
3: go watch it right now. We, yes, we should go do that. Go watch Akira. <laughs> you won't forget it, no matter how hard you try.
1: <laughs> you know what? I didn't expect an episode title at the very end of the episode, but I think we just found it. Thank you. Thank you, Allie.
3: You are welcome, Rachel. <laughs> All right.
1: Everyone, have a fantastic day. We will see you next time on the AFA podcast. Take care. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Sayonara. Bye. Bye. (laughs)